Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Stephen McIver, and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Christmas Eve, nothing like a bit of Chuck Berry, yeah. Christmas Eve 2021, if you are travelling today, no need to rush. Be patient, make sure you get to your destination safe and sound. If it's the last day of work for a bit, here's hoping your break is simply relaxing. You can focus on Fano and friends. Between now and 10, we will endeavour to entertain you with some witty repartee and some chat from sporting newsmakers. Coming shortly, the boss of Sale GP, Sir Russell Coots. It was announced earlier this week that New Zealand had signed a four-year deal to have the flying catamarans here from 2023, switching between Littleton and Auckland year about. I want to know his reasons why he set it up and its growth is exploding. We talked to New Zealand rugby league boss Greg Peters just after 10.30 about where they stand as far as two years of no international league. And there's a World Cup next year. Four-time Bathurst champion Greg Murphy's in at 11 to talk about the year in motorsport and what he's looking forward to. And one sport that has exploded, get this, disc golf. 
If that's hard to understand, you can call it Frisbee golf, which I'm allowed to say Frisbee. But did you know there are some 20,000 casual Kiwis out there throwing their discs on courses? We're going to talk to the godfather of New Zealand disc golf, Bob Gentle. We'll replay our interview with rugby league player turned wannabe WWE star Daniel Vito and talk to a Kiwi who's now the very highest, so just the highest, not very, the highest table in world motorsport. New Zealand Motorsport President Wayne Christie coming your way after one today. Also, we play Santa Claus. We give away the Temper Queen package worth $10,000. That's right, $10,000. That's the spicy meatballs. That's what you can look forward to before 2 o'clock today. Okay, let's begin on the water this morning. Multiple America's Cup World Champions Sir Russell Coots in 2018 decided to set up a competition called Sail GP. National boats with the world's best sailors racing identical 50-foot catamarans model on the AC50 boats. The question is why? Well, Russell joins us now. Thanks for joining us on SENZ, uh, Sir Russell. Uh, what was the catalyst behind the creation of Sail GP? Well, the interesting thing about um, uh, sailing is that it didn't have a uh, regular season championship like almost all other sports do. So the events, um, you know, typically the events come and go. They they might be organised um, every three or four years. And I say might because there's some variance there. And then and then you know teams come and go as well. Um, and that's been the way you know sailing sort of been until Sail GP came along and added some structure to it and some consistency. So so we obviously have a regular season, a regular calendar of events, and it's obviously high speed pretty exciting racing you know with particularly with each of the teams in, in equal boats um that creates you know really close racing and and uh, we're seeing the results of that uh, on the broadcast as we watch these events now did you feel at the time that yachting was just getting sailing just getting a bit boring and needed something to to lift it to create it to show the world there was a lot more to it well before uh, these let's call it the foiling generation uh, came along, um, the racing was pretty slow and dull. But now, of course, with the you know boats going this fast, with boundaries on the course that that force the boats back together, you know, interacting again, you get lots of passing, um, lots of situations on the course, the odd collision. Um, it's 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 a really exciting race product. Was it an easy decision to choose the cat? Well, it's, uh, the, the F-50s are a, a, a fantastic all-round boat. Um, you know, they perform well in uh, light winds and, you know, stronger winds. They're obviously incredibly difficult to sail, and we intentionally make them that way um, so that it's a test for the best sailors in the world. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and also the containerized, which, of course, is key for, um, you know, creating a, a, a you know, regular calendar of events that, uh, especially when we're going to, when we're going globally to, to venues all over the world, um, that's a key component as well. What have you discovered about the F50 in the first almost completed two seasons of Sail GP that you might want to change? Is there anything you want to change about the boat itself to to even level oh. the playing field even more? Uh, we'll we'll continue to evolve it. That that are due for new foils. Uh, that they'll be introduced um, around October uh, um, next during next season. Um, they make the boats faster, so so we've also got to um, uh, create some new rudders. 
because otherwise you won't at, at, at even high speeds you won't be able to steer the boats. So that's obviously a, a concern. Um, so yeah, they're constantly evolving. They're constantly getting um, more advanced. We'll, we'll evolve the control systems on the boats as well. Um, we may uh, partially automate some of those control systems um, for, for certain conditions in the future. For example, strong winds. Um, we're researching um, the, the uh, crash situation um, right now to, to see how we can um, you know, how we can reduce the risk there. So there's a whole lot of things that we're uh, working on. Yes, but one one would suggest that when you talk about the crash situation, which was you know it was dangerous, exciting, but thankfully no one was hurt, was your fleet racing, and and that surely is the draw card for a lot of sailors to be amongst it at high speed and and challenging themselves and fleets. Well, yeah, I, I think the, the the fact that all the boats are racing together at the same time does create a lot of action. You know, you see these um, incredible interactions at turning marks. Where you know, and and you know, when you're watching these boats and realising how fast they are and how quick their reactions need to be um, to, to you know respond to certain situations, and of course you don't even you don't always know exactly what the the teams you're racing against are going to what course they're going to choose. So there's a lot of variables out there. You you definitely need to be on your toes, and uh, you know it requires fast reactions and. And that creates also exciting racing. Is there a perfect number of boats for a fleet? I hear talk that you, you know, you're running eight boats at the moment. That maybe you could up to another two nations, so to make it ten. Well, we're definitely going for ten in season three. So we're adding uh, Canada and Switzerland into into those uh, into the roster. Um, so that's for sure. And then we are. Um, Currently in negotiations for teams eleven and twelve, so um, you know we've gone through a period of incredible growth over the last six months. Um, so adding venues, adding new teams, um, franchising those teams. So um, we're expecting by season four um, that at least eight of those teams, eight of the twelve teams, will be um, franchised, which is you know obviously the model we we want to get to, uh, hmm. you know, ultimately. What is it? What is it about cities, particularly and, and countries, drawing them to sail GP? Well, I think that the, the racing's really exciting. Obviously, the broadcast product um, streamed to or, or distributed to 175 uh, different territories worldwide um, is a compelling showcase for their city, and and and, it, and of course, sail GP showcases the city in a completely different way. You see, you're not looking at your typical stadium per se. Um, you're looking at the, the waterfront of a city, which is, you know, obviously showcases it in quite a different way to, to you know, one of the uh, other one of the traditional sports events. Uh, but also, I think our environmental push, you know, there's a lot of focus on um, uh, creating clean energy solutions worldwide uh, at, around the these uh, cities and so that's it gives them a great platform to then uh, leverage and message around that and and raise awareness and and, and create solutions and practical in practical terms uh when it comes to clean energy what does sail gp do to showcase clean energy well we we set out right from the get-go to uh um 
really be what we call climate positive. So, so have a have a positive impact on the on the environments around us. And and a lot of people uh, sort of picture climate change activity as a as a burden. We see it the opposite way. So, for example, when we went to a remote production for our television uh, production, we used to ship containers around the world with equipment in it, with you know servers and so forth. Um, we used to fly about 55 staff to each event to, to cover the broadcast. Now, almost all of those operations, apart from the camera and sound, is, or cameras and sound, is done in a studio in London, which saves, a, you know, it reduces our carbon f- footprint enormously, but also saves a lot of cost. And we're able to combine our, our, our graphics and our production um, capabilities and our race management all into one um, studio uh, or one 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 building, uh, and and that allows you know sort of a, a more efficient operation as well. Our race operations are another example of that. Where tra- traditional race management, they would travel to the events, they would um, lay the turning marks and so forth for the course. Our uh, race regatta director often sits in Sydney, Australia. Hardly ever travels to the events. It's all. Um, uh, controlled by um, uh, GPS. And in fact, uh, in San Francisco and beyond, we're going to a fully remote um, race management system where the turning marks will be um, uh, driven by electric motors. They'll be positioned on on, on course uh, remotely. Um, and, it's, it's, and you end up with a solution that's better for the environment because you're not dropping an anchor. You're not towing these marks with um, petrol or, or, or diesel um, mm. uh, motors out, out to the course so you end up with a better solution and, and it's cheaper it's, it's, so it's cheaper and it's cleaner and it's more efficient so you know we, we are really um, and there's there's lots of other examples that we're doing in this in this field and so we're, we're really looking for business solutions that, that are that are you know great for the business but also great for the environment we do these things to look for the next generation of sailor are you seeing feedback saying young men and women want to get into sailing after being at an event oh absolutely it, it, there's no question about that it's it, it's um, and as we increase the the, the prize money uh, which we're you know constantly doing um we're now our season is now um uh, what is it 2.2 million dollars um in u.s in total prize money but we'll we'll increase that dramatically this year or this coming season um, so it starts to become um, uh, quite lucrative for the for the for the sailors involved, and, and and they can really create a career out of it, like they can in most other sports. Russell, they say there's no place like home, so you must have been pretty excited to sign off a four-year deal with both Littleton and Auckland to see Sail GP here from early 23. Well, yes, that that's the advantage of Sail GP. I mean, we we have long-term contracts with. Some of our sponsor partners, some of them stretch out to ten years. So, so you can uh, uh, develop um, the brand and develop the, the fan base and so forth over time. And you know, having an arrangement such as a four-season calendar with with um, New Zealand is fantastic because we can you know you you you, you run the events, the, the city gains profile, the event gains profile. And you just get better and better each season. Have you tried to uh, master one of these F50s? 
I've been on board one. Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'd have to turn the clock back at least 25, 30 years to uh, be able to race one of these boats. But boy, would I have loved it in my day. You know, they, they are fantastic pieces of equipment. What does Christmas hold for you? A uh, bit of uh, bit of time off, but we've got some exciting announcements coming up for Sail GP in the new year. So we're uh, we're uh, in some ways preparing for those as well. Um, yeah, so so in our future calendars, uh, obviously been announced for, or at least for season three. So we're starting to gear up for our final in San Francisco at the end of March, March twenty sixth and twenty seventh, and then uh, jumping into the next season uh, almost straight after that. Wow, exciting! That that uh, San Francisco final looks a cracker. It, 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 it's almost hard to split Slingsby, Spittle, and uh, Outeridge. Well, it really is. I mean, it, we've had four different teams winning the cha- championship at some stage uh, during season two, which shows how competitive it is. And and of course, even the other teams now are racing for prize money. So um, I think you know, and they're all trying to you know put their best foot forward to to, to gain. I guess, performance for season three. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be an exciting event. San Francisco traditionally is very windy, especially that time of the year. So um, I think it'll be a challenge for the for the teams, and I think we'll see some great races. Russell, thanks for your time and insight into your baby, which is called Sail GP, and happy Christmas. Thanks, Steve. Sir Russell Coots, uh, CEO of Sail GP. It is exciting when you think that they're going to split uh, Sail GP from 2023 between Littleton, which initially was going to happen, well, this year, actually. We'd be doing it pretty damn near now, actually, but the MIQ got, uh, got in the way. And then it goes to Auckland, then back to Littleton, and then to Auckland. So uh, these uh, cats are quick, but seeing them all together at once uh, can be a pretty scary sight, I can imagine. Never actually been up close uh, and personal with them, but when you look at it on the uh, Sail GP on Sky Sport, you can realise how dangerous it can be after Great Britain took out Nathan Alger's Japan and uh, took the front of the one of the pontoons off. I think you've got to put whatever the side of the front of the boat is anyway. And uh, they had to give their boat to Japan to, to finish off, so that was part of the rules. you got to help them out so they gave them the boat and Great Britain were out in the last round in Sydney pretty cool to say the least Sail GP keep your eye on it and uh, keep it on Sky Sport if you want to watch that continue it's uh, 20 minutes past 10 already and Sam has a Super Smash update just around the corner 10.25 this is SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver I don't like cricket I love it well I'll Take the first one. You can have the second one, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hey, we're just doing a quick uh, Super Smash update for yeah, you. Christmas Eve. Doesn't that be quick? Yeah, thanks to PGG Rights and Turf, Escape Lawn Seed from PGG Rights and or Fruit Fed Stores. Um, I might need some of that, uh, judging by the state of my lawn at the moment. Oh, um, what's wrong with your lawn? Not oh, watering let's, it? Let's not talk about it. Um, <laughs> we'll just quickly run through last night's game, because you would have heard sort of all over the news and headlines, uh, Trent Bolt hitting a six off the final ball uh, in the uh, Northern Brave Kings game uh, last night. He hit a six off the final ball to win the match. But uh, before that, we love that. Uh, the Magicians, so obviously you've got the women's, uh, it's the Magicians versus the Brave. The Magicians won by 16 runs, so um, relatively close there. But then, yeah, last night, the Brave winning by one wicket in the Final over um, against the Kings with a six to Trent Bolt. Go and find that highlight. Um, 
somewhere floating around. Where, where, where does one watch the oh, see, I've Super seen a bit Smash on, nowadays? I've seen a bit on Med, social media. Um, you can find it on Twitters and Facebooks yeah, I, and I, I, everything. I, I, but honestly, I don't even know. You know, you'd normally just you, you'd know it's around. I don't even. It's almost like a forgotten. I don't know where to see it anymore. I think it's on the news. Uh, on I'm on the Super Smash website. Pretty sure they've got it under their video section oh, okay. too. Um, right. So coming up today, actually at uh, ten past eleven. Um, I don't want to say kicking off. What do you say? First, no, you, first you should, ball. First ball. Never say kicking off. I hear too many people in, in the media go, and this cricket. is going to kick off or the tennis match kicks off. It's, right. it's really lazy. Mm. First ball. Right, first ball. So what first serve would you say in tennis, would you? First uh, serve. Yeah, you could say yeah. that. First serve, you could do that, yep. Someone actually asked, I think it was Ricardo who asked this when doing a netball interview, what do you call... First pass. First pass. First pass. Centre pass, is that? Yeah, centre pass. Centre pass, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so first ball. In the uh, Wellington Blaze Auckland Hearts match at the Cello Basin Reserve at uh, ten, uh, ten past eleven this morning, and then for a little bit of Christmas Eve uh, magic in the afternoon, two forty first ball between uh, the Wellington Firebirds and the oh, Auckland Aces. Good classic uh, um, provincial showdown that one. Yes, and it might be close. Closer than you think because uh, the Aces and the Firebirds occupy the bottom two slots on the ladder. Oh. Um, so they're sort of, uh, I guess you'd say, evenly matched. Um, we've only had a couple of games, we've only had two or three games. Um, but the Blaze Auckland Hearts ones actually is quite, that, that's uh, second and third respectively. So that's going to be um, really interesting. And then you've got a bit of Boxing Day cricket as well. The Magicians play the Otago Sparks um, and the Vaults play the Canterbury Kings on uh, Boxing Day. So um, Canterbury, if you're not watching the Ashes. Have Northern always been called the Brave in the, in the men's no, competition? No, 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 no. They, they were the uh, Knights, weren't they? Yeah, they're yeah, much, yeah. much, much cooler name. Well, they've changed. I don't know if they, they changed it because of this, but what they're one of the only teams that have the names lined up. So I'm pretty sure both the men's and the women's team are called the Brave. Am I wrong? Um, hang on. Yes, you are correct. You yeah, are correct. Northern Brave are... men, Northern Brave women, rather than the other teams who have different names and for the women. you could call the women Knights. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, there you go. These are these are Braves a bit weak. Sorry, Braves a bit weak. You reckon? Yeah. Scotland the Brave. Scotland, the Scotland Brave playing a bit of cricket on a Christmas Eve. <laughs> oh, no. um, PGG Rights and Turf. Ask about Duroscape Launcy from your local PGG Rights and or Fruit Fed. Give me store. my freedom. Sorry. You can take. What does he say? You can take. Give me take our lives. But they will. But you can't take my freedom. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> Who's it? Is it? Um, is it? Um, Robin, 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 Robin Williams, R.I.P. Who um, did that funny like golf sketch about the Scottish and how they invented golf? And it, it's very, very funny. Find sort it, of like um, you know. Okay, I, I actually I can't find. I know. I think it's got some bad language, and I don't think we can. But it's sort of along the lines yeah. of like you know, and you go to Scotland and they've invented um, this game. Like, what are we gonna do? We're gonna put a hole hundred meters away. You got to hit the ball into, it. Right. and then they what? sort of that's keeps right. going with all the club. It's very, that, very. Funny. Are, I've actually seen it. You, you, you're, man, we are we are pushing the boundaries of uh, impersonations today, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, thank you for the Super Smash update. Northern Brave though, and I, and that's my hood, the Northern District. But brave, yeah, nah. But insipid that anyway. They can. It doesn't matter. Ten thirty. Enjoy your cricket where you are. If you're going out to watch the Super Smash, make sure you slip, slop, and slap, and your kids have hats on. They're they're rolling their arm over and outside the ba- the boundaries and having a bit of fun. But just make sure that they're uh, being looked after because this uh, Southern Hemisphere sun can be quite brutal. Coming your way after ten thirty, we talk to New Zealand Rugby League head honcho Greg Peters about the state of international rugby league for New Zealand and and how things have been over the last two years and what we can look forward to in twenty. 20- 
10.32 on a Friday, Christmas Eve 2021 with Stephen McCarver. That You know what? That does feel like a summer song. And it takes me back to, well, when I was a young lad in the 80s with my big hair and big shoulders. and Just a wee lad in the 80s. Well, why do I keep going back to the Scottish thing? Yeah, I've got to yeah, get that yeah, out of yeah, my yeah, head. Get out of here. Get do you know, Brian, just quickly, do you know Brian gave me a great bit of advice the other day? If you've got a song stuck in your head, apparently listening to the end of it gets it out of your head. If you just go to like the last, what, the last 20 seconds or something? The last 20 seconds and apparently it just clears it out of your head. So there's a little tip for you, Christmas Eve. Fun fact. But I love music. I don't want things to get out of my head. I just want to be able to remember the lyrics. I can never remember the lyrics. Anywho, the mid-season Pacific Rugby League tests are in doubt, shock horror probe, uh, from 2023. You know, uh, Samoa, Tonga, you know, th- those great showdowns that we've seen midweek. On the back of the new TV deal in Australia, which saw Channel 9 become the free-to-air broadcast again, drop another $575 million. So they've banked about $2 billion, the NBA, uh, the NRL, in the last year with TV rights because we're going to have midweek origins back, women's origins going to a multi-game series. So what about in International Rugby League. Well, Andrew Abdo, the NRL CEO, said, we very much care about International Rugby League. We are very committed to international football, but an international football window that happens in October and November makes more sense for anyone. So is that the case for NZRL CEO Greg Peters, who joins us now? Do you prefer the window, or are you disappointed we lose the midweek Pacific Tests in 23? Uh, good morning, Stephen. Great to be chatting to you, and even better be talking about rugby league on Christmas Eve for sure. <laughs> yeah, why not? Summer yeah. holidays, summer, su- su- summer holiday songs don't seem uh, uh, aligned with rugby league in the, in the summer. But yeah, look, um, we've known about this for some time. It's not really new news in many ways because they've signalled it, and we've been talking to them um, throughout about the implications for for our test match program and for rugby, international rugby league in general, but. Um, in actual fact, uh, it was always a scramble to get that match in June together because you, you get players dribbling in on Sunday, Monday, depending on when they played their last NRL game. You get a couple of training runs in and then you play a game and then everyone's taken off again to get back to their clubs. So for us, having a kind of contiguous window in October, November, five, six weeks, enables us to build a decent programme around the Kiwis and Kiwi Ferns um, and you know all the high performance things that you want around the team building the culture and the stuff that we normally wouldn't get an opportunity to do on an ad hoc sort of one off basis in mid- in June and maybe another test at the end of the year. When do the Kiwis play next? I know we've got a rugby league World Cup next year, but when are you hoping they get some some work in? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's two years now. It's a long time. Uh, we were hoping to get something in, up at the back end of this year, um, but that just, uh, for all the reasons we all know, uh, it just wasn't feasible. We're, we'll be playing in June next year, um, um, come hell or high water, um, and uh, unfortunately, most likely in Australia because of the um, the border settings that we've currently got in New Zealand, which is problematic for a number of sports, not just rugby league, as we know. But um, so we'll. we'll Bank the uncertainty, or the more certain uncertainty of, of um, settings in Australia, um, and, and plan something for June next year, which will also have Pacific flavour as well. So the other the other games you talked about, built around uh, the Kiwis playing as well, and Kiwi Ferns, I might add. How has rugby league survived with two years of no footy? I mean, has this put a strain on resources? 
Um, well, we had the Kiwi Ferns, luckily, I've got them playing um, Samoa at uh, Mount Smart last year, so there's been one yeah, <laughs> international yeah, match for that, us. That's, with with respect, that's not a blockbuster that's going to fill, the, fill no. the, the pocketbook, is it? No, no, but we've been very grateful to all our key partners. Um, have uh, We've just re-signed two of them for another four years in the last uh, couple of months, so the loyalty of our, of our sponsors uh, has been amazing through this period and, and kept, when they haven't seen any international content, but they've supported the domestic stuff that we've been able to get up throughout, the, throughout both years. So um, we're pretty lucky on that front and, and very grateful to our main partners to stick with us through what's been a pretty challenging time. We talk a lot about national teams being, you know, role models, heroes for the next generation, but with nothing to watch... What's the local game like at the moment? Is it suffering? Um, look, I think, you know, if you look at the Warriors, we want we want the Warriors back in New Zealand and they're, they're the shop front window week in, week out. We don't obviously run them, but we need them back in the visibility of the game in New Zealand at that level. I think it's really important and they know that too. Um, so so we, we miss that. Um, but, you know, with the NRL being able to be played and with a number of our Kiwis um, shining and some of them shining for different reasons um, than, than maybe we want them to from time to time. Uh, the, the visibility of the game is, is in our top players playing week in, week out and you know, as is evidenced by the team or the paper teams we were able to announce a little while ago, uh, pretty exciting talent out there and people bought into that. So we've done what we can and without the international fixtures and we've had domestic football's been pretty good really because we've had the under 20s which we started last year and we'll have again uh, at the beginning of 2022 Uh, that that was exciting because that's the kind of top young talent in the country before they take off to play play NRL and so that was showcasing all of that top talent Um, and the domestic stuff's been really strong and unfortunately of course with no Auckland teams being able to participate in our um, local competitions this year that was devastating for them but we were able to still play uh, the balance of the competition mm. you saw things like Otago beat Canterbury for the first time since 1920 something so, yeah, you wouldn't uh, have picked that yeah. in a month of Sundays but but that, that has been no. coming that's been coming though right yeah 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 I mean that, that sort of thing in Wellington winning the women's competition which you know, to be honest, if the Auckland teams were playing, that would that would be more difficult. But it gets it builds the profile and it builds really important shines of spotlight on on areas where we need to be stronger. Wellington growing, Otago coming through. It's fantastic. Do you think there is a greater need? And you talk about strength. I'm hearing rumblings that the districts want to have a greater say in the game. What do you say to that? We 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 run a zone system in the game. I understand that. Yeah. But the districts are, are, I'm hearing rumblings, the drums are beating. What's your response to the districts wanting a, a greater say in the game? Well, we're, we're actually aligned with that. You know, we want district football to be strong. So that's why we've got the District 9 starting at the beginning of next, again next year. So that we're building up the building up the activity in districts is really important for us. It's, it, and it, we've got a lot of work to do because it, over many years, it's withered away, which is part of the reason why the zone structure came in, is because the districts at the time um, were were in a bunch of trouble. Mm. So now, now we need to build that up and slowly add momentum to it and, and create. So one day you are seeing 
um, Taranaki playing Waikato, you know, that, that, that sort of thing is where, where the heart is, isn't it? So that's, that, we're aligned with that. Are you, are you like me, hanging out to see some international footy being played in New Zealand again? Oh, we're definitely hanging out for that. <laughs> um, unfortunately, as I say, 2022 is going to be problematic um, because of June and the border settings at that time, as we understand, you know, they might be. And then we've got the World Cup at the end of the year and then we've got to get back. When I came into this role, I wanted to play more football in front of the fans and family at, at home. And we achieved that largely in 18 and 19, and now, of course, being derailed in 2021. Yeah, it's a crazy world we live in. Hey, mate, thanks for your time. Uh, we love our rugby league. We do, and many, many people around the country do as well. Have a safe and happy Christmas, and uh, we'll talk in the new year. Thank you, Stephen. Great to chat. Cheers, and all the best to you and your listeners. Thanks, mate. NRL CEO Greg Peters. So there you go. You're not going to have any international footy in the country next year just because of the border settings. And, of course, in England, there is the Rugby League World Cup, which was put back a year after both Australia and New Zealand set players. And they came out and said, we don't want our players with any thought of contracting COVID. So here's hoping by the end of next year we're in a better situation. It's 1041 Stick around, we'll figure out what's making news shortly. Summer Days with Stephen McIver and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Ladies and gentlemen, I've I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? For the final time in 20... 2021. 2021, I'm losing yeah. my place here. That's okay. Because um, I'm heading off uh, after today. So for the final time in 2021, what's making news around the world? And uh, let's start with a bit of Home Alone action because Home Alone is one of my favourite Christmas films. Home yep. Alone 2 actually is my favourite. <laughs> um, have you ever seen Home Alone? Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Had kids, mate. Yeah. Seen yeah, them all. Good man. Seen good them man. all. Um, so you'll know Buzz. You'll know Buzz well, the, the, the sort of... The kid with the, the buzz the, cut. The, the bully. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one with the tarantula. Um, well, I tell you, in real life, um, Buzz has been arrested um, because, and look, look it, it's, oh, happy it, Christmas. he's been arrested for something very serious. I don't want to make light of that. Okay. Um, he's been arrested for uh, allegedly, uh, for domestic assault, yeah. but it's because um, his partner gave away um, an autograph of his for free. And I would think of all the Home Alone characters, Buzz would be the one who would... Uh, get very upset about that. Wow. So uh, he's not having a happy Christmas. That's sad. That's um, sad. He's, he's not having a happy Christmas. Um, to, to even worse news. Oh, great. Um, a Dubai ruler. And I Sheikh, mean, uh, Sheikh like, Al Maktoum. I'm just... Uh, no, this one. Uh, they're all called. They're, uh, they're all called uh, Al Maktoum. Al Maktoum. Yeah, yeah, but it's not name. that one. This one's a different one. Um, <laughs> oh. I'm not even going to try and attempt it because there's a lot of different letters yeah, here yeah, that yeah. I'm not going to be able to um, piece together. But um, he's um, been ordered to pay a very large yeah. sum of money in a, in a recent divorce settlement. Do you want to have a stab at how much he has to billion. pay? Yeah, a billion. I read, I read the story. That's close. Seven hundred twenty-eight million oh, dollars. Yeah. Um, in a very rare case, but it's basically, as I understand, um, his princess basically fled to the UK. Princess Hire. Yeah, correct. Fled to the UK um, and he was ordering her to come home. That's right. Um, and under law, I don't know, it's yeah, very it's, messy, it's but it's, it's $728 million messy. Will she get it though? It's a great question. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I could do with $728 million. Oh, That's yeah. um That's a very um, Handy healthy Handy crypto Chrissy portfolio Chrissy. Yeah. that I could invest <laughs> that into. Oh, you were right into your crypto. What's that? Have, have we've had this. We've around? had this conversation. Yeah, no. Nah, oh, okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, nah, nah. okay. The accounts, uh, the accounts in the red. But let's not talk about that. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, this one is more on the light-hearted side. Oh, um, just to round off our Christmas Eve. I don't know why it ended up like this. I, I went to all my usual sites and there just wasn't anything there. I think maybe Christmas Eve they mm. think, you know, it's uh, let's make it doom and gloom. Um, this is in America. It's in college football. It was Kent State mm. um, playing against Wyoming um, in the... Do you know this is the funny thing? They have all these bowls, right? Yeah, so you yeah. get ranked one through like yeah. sixty-four, Sugar and every every yeah every bowl, every two places play in a bowl. So first and second play in a bowl, third and fourth play in a bowl. I don't know what placing this is, but they're playing in the Idaho Potato Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's apparently that. apparently it's very very famous. And um, I bet this guy had some potatoes pre-match because uh, for what is being thought of as the first time in football history, uh, um, a, an offensive lineman has been penalised um, for puking. He he was getting in. The, he was what? getting ready to go. And he puked, and they penalised him for a false start. Flag, flag, flag on the puke, not flag on the play. Flag on the flag puke. on the puke. Something's going on on the field there, uh, Stephen. It looks like he's lost his potato. From it's the, certainly not a false start from the pregame. It's, it's just a false dawn. It's the potato ball in the truest sense of the uh, of the term. So uh, he got yeah. So they think the first time in history someone's been penalised for puking okay. um, and, and having a false start. Um, they ended up losing that game as well. I think so. Um, it's not like it was for a good cause. No. Um, Idaho Potato Bowl. And I've got a fact for you yep, as well. Fun fact. Um, Michael Jackson. Did you know he should have been on... Did you know there's a whole bunch of famous people that were supposed to be on the World Trade Centers for 9-11? And he was one of them? Wow. I found this list of them. I just picked out his name. But there's actually a whole list of people, if you Google this, that were supposed to be there, but for various reasons, delayed flight, slept in, cha- plans changed, Fun et fact. Fun fact. Yeah. Visited there on my... And this is a true story. Yes. Fun fact, 1998, honeymoon with my wife. Mm. Didn't bother going up them. They were still standing, obviously. I looked up and I said, quote, unquote, imagine if those bastards fell down. Wow. And I remember the day it happened, that quote came to my mind because it was just, you look up and it's just scary. Yeah. You're like a soothsayer. Do you remember that story (laughs) I told you about the, um, this card skimming? Yeah, at the yeah, ATMs, yeah, yeah. Um, the guy there um, actually also worked um, for like the World Trade for that sort of organization, and he was someone who was supposed to be there on the day, but he got held up in traffic, didn't get to the buildings in time. Yeah, scary, eh? When you think about that. Yeah, but there you go. So that's what's making news for the final time feel, in 2021. Feel, feel good to put a wrapper, a little bow on that one. Wrap it up for 21. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. 2022 will come back uh, bigger, better, stronger, faster. What's the What's the Olympic motto? Stronger, faster, yeah, higher. Faster, higher, stronger. Yeah. And now it's together because they added the the extra one on. Well, that's nice. 10.52, we'll have an NPL update in just a tick. Ten fifty seven Friday morning, Christmas Eve, twenty twenty one, with Stephen McIver. This is Summer Days on SENZ. I trust your preparations are going well, and if you're heading away, just take it nice and easy. There is no rush. NBL does not stop. Well, it stops for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but there's plenty of Boxing Day NBL. That's the Australian NBL. Watch every NBL game live on Sky Sport. So your Sky Sport breakers are playing on Boxing Day at 3 o'clock against the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Now, the breakers are 
O, the big donut, O and five. But they get their new importer, Chesson Randall, in, so he's got a lot of work to do. They're up against the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers, the new team in the league at their home ground. They're actually not too much better. They've won one, so they're one and five, and the breakers are O and five. So here's hoping they can get rid of that donut and put a W on the board and get their season back on track, the Sky Sport Breakers. Kings and Melbourne United play Boxing Day at 5. And the Bullets and the Taipans are the last game of the triple header, the Boxing Day triple header, the Bullets and the Taipans. On the 28th of December, the 36ers face the Perth Wildcats. They're a good team. And then the 36ers go again against the Taipans. So that is week four of 21 weeks of the Australian NBL, where you can watch every NBL game live on Sky Sport via Sky Sport channels, or just have it on your hand, on your phone, on Sky Sport Now, and then you can stream it anywhere, any day. Anyhow, uh, by the way, if you uh, missed our interview this morning with Sir Russell Coots on Sale GP, you can go to the uh, Mornings with Smithy podcast on our app, SNZ app, and hear it all again. He talks about the growth of Sale GP and how excited he is the fact that uh, from 2023, early 2023, uh, it'll be a four year deal with New Zealand. It'll go Littleton, Auckland, Littleton. Did I get that right? Littleton, Auckland, Littleton, Auckland. There you go. So a lot to look forward to those. And there'll be at least 10 50-foot catamarans screaming around both Littleton Harbour and Waitamata Harbour as well. So there is a lot to look forward to, as there is after 11 o'clock this morning, of course. Well, you'll try and, uh, you know, stump by Stephen. But first up, after 11 o'clock, my, my good race control buddy, uh, full-time Bathurst champion, Greg Murphy, will be in the house to look back on the year of motorsport and what he is looking forward to. I just just hope I can drag him off his uh, ride on mower as he cleans up the estate at Havelock North. So that's coming your way after 11 here on Summer Days here on SENZ. on Christmas Eve 2021. Nothing like a good bit of Kiwi music to make you feel good about the summer. Now we're going to make you feel good about a a Kiwi motorsport year. Coming live from either his estate on the eastern part of the country or his estate down country, his summer estate, is four-time Bathurst champion Greg Murphy. Hello, Murph. Um, Interesting (laughs) introduction. (laughs) Mate, you 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 got to learn how to spark up, pal. We've been doing this for eight years on the telly. Come on, which estate are we on today? The summer estate or the the home estate? That'll do. Move on. <laughs> you do this to me all the time. Come on. Hey, uh, first and foremost, happy Christmas. Yeah, happy Christmas to you too. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, We're already here. Got, I mean, and we got actually, we're not allowed to say unbelievable. We're not allowed to say unbelievable. Remember. Oh. Not to say okay, you got, better you better tell the story about why we can't say unbelievable. Well, you, me, and Ian Smith. Ian Smithy doesn't know that he got he was part of that. But uh, you, me, and Ian Smith were were marked men by uh, an anonymous who um, put a letter in my letterbox at home, uh, and uh, no name, no address, no nothing. But uh, we were told that um, we're lazy because we use the word unbelievable, and we've got to got to step it up and start being a bit of a bit more buddy um what smarter in our in our vocabulary so um we've got to stop saying unbelievable what was funny about the cold what was funny about the letter was it looked like it was written by a three-year-old and the grammar was terrible so so yeah. my what scares me is they they knew they knew where you live i think you better just that, start um, yeah, I'd, I'd be putting brick walls up now uh barbed wire yeah. 
Spotlights. No, I've got cameras. Cameras. Uh, oh, you've got cameras already? Good man. Let's talk yeah. about a wonderful year of Kiwi motorsport. You and I will always rave about IndyCar, but for Scott uh, McLaughlin going into his first year of IndyCar, what, he gave himself a 7 out of 10 on the show earlier this week. What would you give him? Yeah. Uh, well, I'd probably be a bit kinder considering um, he's probably looking at it from a, a different perspective that I would be. I mean, he is he's the man doing the job and, and he puts a lot of pressure on himself to perform. He works incredibly hard and um, he, he he's probably being looking at it from that professional perspective, uh, you know, because he's doing the job. We're looking at it from a, a change of scenery for him from supercars and stepping into uh, something that he has spent very little time in and uh, has to learn from scratch. And so I would probably be more inclined to give him an eight and a half, nine, mm. based on on the fact that you know his experience in IndyCar and single-seaters, um, ovals, all that kind of stuff is zero. And he went out there and I think he acclimatised well. Yes, he probably missed out on a few uh, qualifying perf- uh, sort of um, performances that he was probably expecting. But it is a very, very tough championship, maybe one of the most competitive motorsport championships in the world right now. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd be a little bit kinder to him than what he probably is. Rookie of the year, uh, got a podium at Texas. And, and the one thing that stood out for me this year was his ability to adapt to ovals better than the street courses. Yeah, and when you, when you listen to him talk about it, um, it probably makes more sense. I mean, uh, the the straight-up sort of, thinking would be that a road course or a street or a permanent course would would suit them better but but there's so much more complexity to maximizing a car like that with you know a huge amount of horsepower uh, those big tires different tires as well and getting them up to speed and utilizing them to their maximum and that understanding whereas on an oval you know and, and obviously lots of different corners going both ways and, and very different shapes whereas on the ovals you know you, you set into a, a rhythm and um, you know, there's, there's less, and I'm not saying this in a, any kind of belittling it anyway, but there's a little bit less to sort of focus on in some respects on the on the ovals. Um, very challenging still, but um, yeah, it was interesting talking to him about that and just seeing, you know, how, how much easier he felt adapting to the ovals than the road course. He said that, and the big takeaway for him from that one was that the, he has to work on the car changes so much over a weekend on road courses uh, with the tyre yeah. situation that the ovals uh, were, as you quite rightly say, a little less challenging. But, you know, we, 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 we picked him on Sky Speed to win a racy podium, So and that was early in the season. I think that's a, a pretty fair crack, and he's hoping he has another good dig. He's really excited about going back to the Indy 500, and who wouldn't be? Spoke yeah. to Courtney Duncan yesterday, mate. Uh, she she sends her best wishes. Uh, she says she's ready to take my job when we're done. So uh, that that oh. if, if well, if you remember, that goes right back to that uh, Supercross time when we chatted to her, and um, she started taking the Mickey out of us. So, but she's in great nick. Uh, but what an achievement! Back to back to back, WMX World Champion. Uh, yeah, and we, you know, it's it's incredible. You know, she won that first one, and, and what an achievement! And then she's just gone slaughtered them um, every year since, and and that is yeah, it is phenomenal. I just we've, we've heaped praise on her, and rightly so, and lots of other people have too. Um, just you know, when you put into context the commitment that you've got to have on a bike like that, jumping through the year, um, doing the things they do in such challenging conditions and very changeable conditions and also very different racetracks 
week on week that um, you need a very different skill set for. For her to go to Europe, be over there pretty much by herself, deal with that and um, manage to, to put together a string of world championships like she has, um, you know, there's not enough really accolade that um, she can be given for, for her commitment to that. Yeah, and uh, she's out of contract, but she gave us indication she will hopefully re-sign with her Kawasaki team in the new year. But uh, I think she's trying to hold out a little bit. But good on her too, and why not? And good on her. And, and good well, on she, her. I would, I'd be surprised. I would be very surprised if, if there isn't some other interest being shown, and, and rightfully so. I mean... Um, you know, she's showing what she can achieve, and, and I, I would think that there's a few teams that would be like, "Hey, well, want you come and ride for us?" So, you know, it's time that she she got rewarded off the track um, for for her hard work as well. Uh, before we talk supercars, I'm happy that Max Verstappen won Formula One this year, even in the circumstances. I don't really care. I I thought it was a crazy end to a season, but I'm happy with the result. Are you? Yeah, I, I am. I, I um, I do. I do wish it had been a little bit more um, precise uh, in, in the way it, it sort of all came out in the wash. Um, you know, Lewis Hamilton is, is obviously just a, an incredible race car driver, brilliant at what he does. I'm, I'm still not a fan of him in a personal aspect, but I think I've got a massive respect for what he's managed to achieve in a race car. Um, and he was winning... Uh, that race and comfortably doing it. He had proven that uh, from the, the moment the lights went out at Abu Dhabi that he was he was the guy that um, was in charge of that race. And so, you know, it's it's an interesting one to have it taken, taken away the way it was. There's lots of conjecture and rock throwing and Mercedes, especially as you would understand, are, are, um, have been using some pretty interesting words and in how they've explained their, their feelings about this, which I think is a little bit over the top and uh, sort of not really... Um, probably taking it on the chin as much as maybe they should, but they do have an argument and and, and they're pressing on with it and they have pressed on with it. But at the end of the day, we need a different champion. Formula One needs a different champion. It needs to be different than Mercedes and they don't... Mercedes are there and Lewis is there to to do the job to win, 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 win. Fine, that's great. But uh, there's a lot of people out there that... um, you know, would like to see someone else do that, and I'm one of those people. And um, what it does do is make me very much uh, look forward to 2022 and what's going to happen in F1 because I'm, I'm hoping that it continues on the way it, way it left off. Salary cap, uh, different cars, uh, bigger tyres. Yeah, right. do, does that make any difference, do you think, to the front runners? Uh, I think what it does, it gives a, is a, it gives a time and opportunity uh, for others to um, to be closer and and hopefully get the job done. But the t- big teams with the big money, unfortunately, still have that, that resource to be able to fast track and work through um, speeding up the learning process to actually find that advantage. That's always the case in a, in a situation like this. But but let's hope that that, that cap is, is able to be controlled and people um, do honour that and work by it. And it means that hopefully some of those guys further down the field, let's, let's fingers crossed, um, get a chance to... to um, you know, have their day in the sun. Yeah. Um, but we've got other things to look forward to. George Russell at Mercedes, that's a big one to look forward to. You know, there's changes in the driver market, which um, will be interesting. But, you know, maybe teams like McLaren and, and um, uh, AlphaTauri and, and Renault um, have that potential with the new sets of rules to actually come out the blocks uh, more consistent and closer to the to the mark next year. So plenty to look forward to. Yeah, um 
I spoke to Liam yesterday. Liam Lawson had his drive in his Alfa You could hear the excitement return to his voice, saying it was just incredible. He said yep. it, right down to the seat fitting that they went. Oh, he spent a day fitting the seat just for his young driver yeah. test to make everything. He said the, the cars are designed to just for the driver to be so comfortable. And as we have discussed already, uh, they were pretty impressed with what he did. So here's, here's hoping. SVG set up his, his championship win right at the beginning of the season, didn't he? He was literally unbeatable from the get-go in supercars, wasn't he? We set it up um, while he was bloody hurting pretty bad. Too, oh, with, that was, that uh, was Sandown, right? Injury, broken ribs. Yeah, I mean, it was um, he was he was in pretty bad shape to kick things off, and and it, and it clearly was actually quite close close call. You know, if they if the doctors had known he had broken ribs at that point, which was pretty interesting that they didn't, um, you know, it would be unlikely that he would have been allowed to start the championship. So, oh, right, you know, how's sorry. that? I mean, it was uh, it was a um, incredible effort by SVG, and he did set set the year up beautifully um, and managed to maintain. And even though he wasn't winning as much as he would have liked at the end. His consistency and his ability to still get big points, regardless, um, is is such a strength. Such a strength, and he is he's he is just absolutely driven by by being the best he can be, and um, that's just going to continue for a very long time to come. So, um, you know, things are going to be a little bit similar next year in, in supercars. Albeit he's got a new teammate, a few shifts around the place with with drivers. But, um, you know, the cars will be very similar, if not the same, next year. But then it's 2023 that, um, you know, we yeah. get a, a full uh, recycle and, and, a, and a new car to, to look forward to, which, um, you know, supercars needs, they need to refresh. And, and a year's going to be quite a long time waiting for that, I think. I have one wish for supercars in 2022, Murph, and that is... Give me one. Well, it's because it's quite a big wish, okay? Cool. Okay. Can, I, can I say my wish now? Yes. Yeah, sure. Okay, thanks. I wish that Erebus become a true front runner. Sure. And, and I think they what they've shown this year is a, is something that I think uh you may see your wish come come true. Um you know, the the momentum has begun and and yes they've got a big break now. Um but as I say the cars being quite similar and not a lot happening with them and what they've managed to find to to put them in that space of, of rolling the car out the truck and being somewhere close straight away, um, you know, that looks to be sort of set in stone. So, um, yeah, let's, fingers crossed it does because it, it, we need that talent, but we also need those personalities up there rocking up the front lot and um, and adding to the, the storytelling and, and uh, the excitement. So you know, I'm with you, mate. I hope that they do too. What's the biggest thing you're looking forward to next year in motorsport? Oh, that's- Apart from working with me, difficult. which is always a bonus, right? That's a big thing to well, get excited it's about. It's good to know that um, we are going to be back. Sky Speed is back for how many? Yeah, uh, eight, or year eight or nine. I think it'll be our ninth year doing Sky Speed. Oh, God, can you believe it? Man? I know, and we still look good. We still look good, too. That's the most Knuckles. important thing. Yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> that's, why, that's why we've got good editors, to, to make sure that... Uh, we uh, have minimal screen time and we use colourful pictures to, to you know, <laughs> colour it in. Uh, yeah, mate, um, I don't know. That's, that's really difficult. There's just so much stuff to look forward to. You know, we, we have WRC in New Zealand next That's year, the one. You know, uh, so the World Rally Championship is coming to New Zealand next year in September. Uh, Peter Johnson and his whole team at Rally New Zealand, um, you know, deserve huge congratulations for that. And that is something for all Kiwis to look forward to. Supercars back in New Zealand next year. You know, fingers crossed that all this um, rubbish is behind us when it comes to events being 
cancelled and COVID stopping people turning up. So, um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of stuff, but, you know, our Kiwis overseas doing the job is, you know, there's, um, you know, Liam doing back in F2. Liam, hopefully, you know, spending some time in that Alpha, Alpha Barry, and you've got the Scots, the great Scots in, in the USA, Hunter McElroy doing Indy Lights. I mean, it, it's just, it's endless, you know, the yeah. amount of uh, people in, in, in Australia racing over there. Uh, next year, um, so there's there's plenty to to be excited about, and, and um, we're pretty fortunate that we get yeah. to keep uh, everyone up to speed with it all. Yep, yep. Sky Speed Race Control, the whole nine yards. It's eleven eighteen. Murph, happy Christmas. You Mons and the kids have Thank a great much. summer, and uh, don't fall off the wakeboard, okay? Oh, no, 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 mate. She's the surfboard, mate. So we're doing eighteen kilometres an hour max. So they can't get hurt falling off at that speed. All right, mate. Take it easy. Happy Christmas. Yep. Cheers, bye. 11.17, Greg Murphy, full-time Bathurst champion, uh, one half of race control and one half of sky speed. Yeah, I'm the other half. I'm the good-looking half, though. Uh, it's 11.18, the McFiver is not too far away. Even McIver, and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. Eleven twenty-three. It's time for the McFiver. You know, I can see you, Sam, mm. sitting there with a guitar on your knee. You look like a guitar player. Yep, you are. Yep. Oh, there you go. So I, I, I picked you. Good, good assumption. Thank good, you. Good assumption. Yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, a musician at heart. Guitar, oh, really? keys, so, sing. So I've got like we've got DJ. What is his name? DJ Shadow. What was your name again, bro? DJ, DJ Shadow. Uh, DJ Movement. Oh, DJ, DJ Movement. Movement. DJ Movement. And we've got. I don't know what you call me. <laughs> call me what you want. Um, Sam will do. <laughs> yeah, okay. MC, MC Hewitt. MC Hewitt. MC Hugh. Um, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a big, That's nice. big That's, music fan. Big oh, music I'm, fan. I'm in good company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the McFifers, we've got right. five five questions for the final time in 2021. Um, oh, unless you do that. Wait, are you doing, what other shows are you doing? Between um, I'm doing 10 to 2 on New Year's Eve with oh, B-Man so and 3rd the 4th I'm doing 10 to 2. You'll do a McFive for on New Year's Eve, won't you? Oh, we are now. You are now. Okay, so this is the penultimate McFive <laughs> for, for 2021. Uh, and question number one, I want you to tell me um, what you would like to see uh, in International Rugby League. Oh, just more footy. More, more, more footy played and a greater emphasis put on it. But the problem is the NRL dictate the show. Super League and, and more so the NRL dictate the show. But, you know, I don't know why that happens. It's always happened. That's the way it goes because all the majority of the great players in International Rugby League play in the NRL. That's not mm. taking anything away from Super League. Uh, so I would like to see regular tests. I'd like to see, I'd like to see more international footy played, but keep the quality high and keep the uh, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, push them a lot harder mm. and not get too too. And allow players to play for them, and not have any stand. I don't think that, I don't think there's too much stand down stuff in the league. Nah, no, nah, they, they're so, pretty so, fluid. With so for players to maybe take the crunch and go, you know what? I'm going to play for home, hmm. and then you'll see a, a change in the guard. We've seen it with Tonga. It can happen for Samoa. They're close. You, you think about all the Samoans playing good rugby league. Hmm. Oh, that'd be great. Um, what about because during Origin? Um, like, what are your thoughts on like just? 
having a break, like they sort of do in rugby sometimes, they have the international break in the middle of the year. So you break for Origin, and people who aren't playing Origin can play Pacific Tests. Well, and yeah, well they sort of they sort of have done that, but they haven't had a break. You know, they've just allowed the Pacific Tests to play. I like it because again, it's for me, it's that up you to the other sports. Rugby league players are tough; they can play Origin one day. Next minute, they're back on the ground for round <laughs> fifteen of the Telstra Premiership. Yeah, sorry, and I think too maybe they just need some sort of regular. It's it is hard though because I sort of understand from the players' perspective like 26 weeks of NRL and then like say you give them a couple weeks off. Well potentially if you're one of the eight teams you're playing another four four weeks if you go all the way so. And then you know you might let's hypothetically say there's an international sort of competition after the NRL season so you might have two weeks three weeks off but you know you'd be be playing a lot of games in a calendar year you know a lot of tough games in a calendar year. I do like the end of season thing. Yeah. Just set it up give them a break Yep. give them a week off two weeks off then get them back into camp and and, and have a and have a quick tournament, you know, t- yep. a, a week's t- a two week tournament. You could probably bring Great Britain down here, and you could have a three of us, and then then throw in um, Tonga yeah. and yeah, you, you got know, it. completely. Um, yeah. I yeah. just want to see more international rugby league. Hey, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, question two. Yep. Uh, I want you to be totally honest with me here. Um, <laughs> will you be doing any Christmas shopping um, post show today? Yes, you will be. I just just only <laughs> a time. majority of it. Or? No, no, no. Okay. Just, just a tiny. Just a couple. Bit. Of, just just bits a, and bobs. Just a bits and bobs. Just yes. a bits and bobs. Eh? Um, what's your, what's your tactics, mate? How do you approach this? Because uh, I've got to do it as well, and uh, I'm, I'm stay, scared. You know what? I, I'll be blunt with you. I went to Sylvia Park in Auckland. Oh, that's yeah. dangerous. No, I actually felt I was actually anxious. Yeah. For the first time, yeah. I was anxious at being in a mall mm. with people. A lot of people. A lot of people. Yes. I was. Oh, okay. Is that your local Sylvia Park? Or is that yeah, where you pretty, would do your Christmas shopping? Pretty, pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so That's I've got to go to the Albany Mall this afternoon. So, uh, hey, give me a message on double eight double three, or give us a message on double eight double three if you're at Sylvia Park or Albany. Um, what it's like? Is it a nightmare? Because that'll determine whether I go at uh, three pm or ten pm. I'd, I'd, I'd go between three and five. You go for that's your yeah. Well, that's your window. Pe- yeah, because five through seven or eight will be mess. Can't wait to run to that parking. Um, question three. Um, and this is coming up very shortly. I'm very excited for this. Um, mm. Have you yourself ever played disc golf? No, never. No. But but there is a disc golf course next to Rosehill Park in Albany, the softball venue. Rosedale, yeah. Rosedale, excuse yep. me, Rosedale Park. There is a disc golf course on the left-hand side of the drive as you go in, and I often see people playing disc golf. So Yes. Never, never. Great course. It's uh, for the people out there who are a little bit uneducated. I know you're going to ask um you're going to Bob Gentle about this. Um it's a lot harder than you think. Like, you throw a normal disc, not a frisbee, down at the beach, and they're a lot heavier, they're a lot bigger, they generally go straight. But these disc, these golf discs are a lot, they're almost like discuses in terms of size. They're sort of that size. They're not big, they're, they're quite, no, they're, they're like plates. They have, they're I, like what, plates. I'm, what I'm going to ask them is how many different ones you can have. That's right, you have drivers, you know. You putters. Can, yeah, putters. Yeah, and it's a round piece of plastic. And I'll tell you what, I thought I was a pretty good disc, I'd throw the disc a lot. Um, over summer and, and with my mates and when I picked, first picked up a, a disc golf one and I tried to throw it in a straight line wasn't having a bar of it it, it had a mind of its own so uh, I challenge you to go out there and uh, Sam it's all on the wrist yeah yeah, it, it is actually it is all on the wrist um, question number four um, what is your you talk to Murph about your motorsport sporting wish but what is your, your overall sport if you could have anything in sport in 2022 what would you take it, well, hang on, anything in what respect, if I could have anything. Okay, so my sporting wish for 2022 yeah. is the Warriors to win the NRL. 
Yeah, I'd take. I would take that yep. on a month of Sundays. <laughs> I, I would, and I'm not. I've never been one to say it's our year. Yes, but uh, that would that would that would make me incredibly happy. Yeah, if uh, I could wish, if if you could wish it, and it, you knew it was going to happen, I think I'd have to take that. I thought it was going to happen in 2011. Yeah, and 2002. Yes, it didn't. Happen. 2022. Law, the law of averages, isn't it? Because 2002 Two, to 2009, what well, actually should have happened this year or yeah. last year. Uh, yeah, we so can that, live in hope. That, that, would be, that would be the one. Or, or and this is a, a motorsporty one, or Scott McLaughlin to win the Indy 500. Oh, that'd be fantastic. In his second year of racing. That would be great, actually. Even I, as a sort of non-motorsport aficionado, would, would enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and question five, I'll finish with a would you rather. Yeah. Um, so you got to think about this one a little bit. Would you rather... Live until you are 200, but the whole time you're looking your age. So when you get to 120, you'll look 120. And when you get to 160, you'll look 160. So you're looking at your age the whole time, but you live to 200. Or you can look you know, 22, whatever age you like to look, 22 for your whole life, but you only live 55 years. What would you choose? That's so morbid. Yeah. I'm 56 now. Well, let's make it 60 then. So you'd have four more years. Uh, I'd, I'd, I think I'd look the age long, thing. I do, I do the long. You do longevity? I do longevity. Okay. Yeah. Stick I around. Do, I do longevity. What about yeah. you, B Man? Because you said you'd love to live for, a, for like a thousand years. What would you pick? I'd pick a Kiwi's World Cup. And, oh, I mean, sorry, wrong question. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd pick longevity. Yeah, me too. Interesting. You? What about you, Sam? Uh, I'm generally more of a quality over quantity, but. Um, yeah, 60's a little bit probably too young for me. Like, well, I mean, let's be blunt. You know, when you're faced with your own mortality, yes. the f- initial thought is, i still got too much to do. Yes. Okay, that's just a little bit morbid to finish that one today. It just is. a little bit. I'm trying to think of something. Okay, I've got, I've got a funny one for you. Just quick. I've got an alternate. This is a would you rather I used to ask my mates all the time. Uh, okay. Throw that would in you bin. rather? Okay. Would you rather um, have... This is a common one. Would you rather have fingers for toes and toes for fingers, <laughs> so they swap around, or or fingers for toes, right, and toes yep. for fingers, and toes for fingers, so they swap around, Ugh, or no. or, you know, when you're eating a bag of like burger rings or rations, yes, and you get all that stuff on your fingers, yes, you have that on your fingers permanently for like the rest of your life. Nah, fingers for toes, toes for fingers, <laughs> straight up. Because I'm, I'm a bit of a sucker for the midnight snack with those sorts of things. So, no way, Jose. It's eleven thirty-two. Christmas Eve Friday with Stephen McIver and Summer Days here on SNZ, the B-Man and Sam Hewitt making sure that everything goes sweet and smooth. Speaking of sweet and smooth, you can bet live on your favourite sports, download the TAB app today and the smooth part of the sweet and smooth is Paul Mawate. Hello buddy. Good morning, Stephen. Yeah, I love it. Sweet and smooth. That's the sort of sauce I have with me McNuggets. <laughs> Mate, we need to have a little chat about your diet, okay? If that's <laughs> little little chat about the diet, and uh, now actually, so what's your go-to on Christmas Day? Oh. Uh- I love a roast lamb and and uh, a slice of ham as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I'm cooking the lamb tomorrow, so I've got a very simple, straightforward method of cooking the lamb. Cut little slices in the the leg, jam whole garlic cloves in it, 
throw lots of oil all over it, and then stuff all so rosemary in it and just put it in a bag and cook it. Simple as that. Times two. That's exactly what we're doing. Oh, snap. Well, well, we've both got very good taste then. Speaking of having good taste and good choice, uh, what is what are you choosing for people today as, as to something to look forward to? Uh, well, we've got a bonus back promotion on the first two races at the Cambridge Harness Meeting today. Oh, the no, first that... race has just finished, and for favourite punters, you've been rewarded. The first favourite of the day has got up. Number eight, Quick Barbie, has won race one at Cambridge Harness. Uh, still, You can still get on race two for that bonus back promotion. Um, also got a bonus back promotion on the Tennessee Titans San Francisco oh. NFL match later on this afternoon. Um, the... 49ers are favourites there, and I guess the Titans fans... 49ers are are favourites? Well, Jimmy G against uh, Ryan Tannehill, isn't it? Yes, but no Derrick Henry, of course, for the Titans, and Uh, that takes a whole big chunk out of that offence, and it it allows the 49ers' defence, I guess, to just spread out slightly. If he's playing, they've got to sack the box to stop him, which opens up the field for Ryan Tannehill. they just don't have that balance on offense at the moment. So 49ers I can understand are why the Forty Niners are favourites. Jimmy G, big game though, big game. You know because the Titans are playoff bound, but it just depends, right? They they still got to go. They got three games. I think they've all got about three games to play, right? Yeah, exactly. And we've taken an eight hundred dollar bet Ooh. on the San Francisco Forty Niners to win by one to thirteen points, mm-hmm. paying two dollars and fifty eight. So someone thinks that it might be a tightish game, but the San Francisco 49ers will come out oh. on top in the end. I've, t- I've bored you with my story about racing a harness racer at a harness racer at uh, Cambridge A. I told you that story, didn't I? Don't, I, I don't, don't know if you have, have you? Yeah, years ago I was working for a radio station, uh, 1300 ones at H down by the river, and uh, <laughs> a celebra- celebrity race, and uh, uh, the Mitchells trained me out, out of their stable when they had stables out there, the Mitchells, Todd's dad, and um, I, I had a one by 10 lengths, caning a horse called Lagavulin. Lagavulin by 10! McIver wins. Well, Have there you go. You've ridden... You've ridden... One driven, more winner. driven, <laughs> uh, driven. Yeah, driven. Sorry, driven. <laughs> One more harness <laughs> uh, runner than I have. So you're on top already, Steve. Yeah. Oh no, it was just fun. I mean, <laughs> the, the the thrill of properly actually driving uh, a, a, a harness racer is amazing, unbelievable. All right, bud. Hey, happy Christmas. And to you too, Stephen, and to all the listeners as well. And we'll catch you again in the new year very, very early. You're a good man. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. All right, that's uh, Paul from the TAB. Promotions in play. Hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit the tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. Uh, is of course, R18. He knows his footy. I was, thought I was going to catch him out on a couple of things. He goes, no, no, hang on a minute. Someone's here. Someone's there. That's, that's what we like about our boys and girls of the TAB. They know their stuff. But do you know your stuff? At 11.39, get on the blower now. That's the phone, by the way. 0800-150-811. That's 0800-150-811. Can you stump Stephen? With Stephen McIver, and for me, Ian Smith, on SENZ. Stumped by Stephen.
11.44 on Christmas Eve. Here's your chance to be a winner. Can you stump me? I was stumped yesterday. The $50 TAB voucher went. What will happen today, Sam? It's a great question, Stephen. We've got another TAB $50 bonus bet up for grabs as well as our Sleep Drops from Sleep Drops NZ, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. We've got two callers on the line. The first one is Joe from Palmy. G'day, Joe. Good morning, guys. How are we? We are good. You sound like you're ready to go, bud. Always, I'm always ready to go. What's your, what would be what would be your sport? Bring it on. What would be your sport of choice, Joe? If you could have a selection of any sport. Oh, Formula One, probably. Yeah, Ooh, I think we like that. I think <laughs> I think he's going to like the categories today, Joe. Uh, you got three categories to choose from. The first one is tennis. The second one is football. The third one is motorsport. <laughs> Oh, see, I'm a Formula One fan, but I'm not a fan of, of any oh, supercars or anything. Back yourself, anything. back yourself. But Come on, baby. But, <laughs> but you will be going up against a motorsport expert, though, should you oh, choose whoa, to whoa, take whoa, it whoa. on. Back, back, back the truck on the expert. Back the truck, no pun I'll intended. Play it safe. <laughs> I'll play it safe and I'll go football. Okay, he's going football. Do you know your football, Joe? Oh, I wee bit. Okay, mate, so you've got three questions to answer. If you get the third question, that's the one that gives you the big uh, the big grand prize. Um, but you better watch out because if uh, Stephen's quick behind the stumps, um, he'll take your bails off. Uh, it's time to play Stump by Stephen. And question number one for football. Uh, which Premier League football team has the nickname The Peacocks? Everton. That's incorrect. Stephen McIver, do you have any idea? Leicester. The Peacocks. Leicester. That is incorrect as well. It's Leeds United. Wow, and I've been Leeds. there too. Yeah. I've been to their ground. So uh, you've, you've, uh, you've come down the ground, Joe. The ball's gone right past you, but it's also gone past Stephen um, down to the boundary for four. So you live to fight another day. Question number two. I'll take that. <laughs> Question number two in football. Uh, who is the coach of the All Whites? Danny Hayes. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. There we go. Another boundary for you there. Question three. This is the important one. This is the important one. <laughs> Joe, uh, which Premier League winning uh, which Premier League winning team did Chris Wood once play for? Oh, he's at Burnley at the moment, isn't he? Um, really? He played for a Premier League winning team. I'm going to say Leicester City. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh, right in the slot. And away it goes. He's done it. He's done it. He played for Leicester City. Not, I mean, he was part of their squad. He might have played a couple of FA Cup games or something, but he was part of a squad that uh, eventually would win a Premier League. So, uh, well done to you, Joe. Uh, he gets awesome. he gets all the chocolates, fifty dollars TV bonus bet, and some sleep drops. Thanks to Sleep Drops New Zealand, and Sleep Drops are for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. You might need them uh, over the Christmas New Year break if you've uh, found yourself consuming copious amounts of food and drink, Joe. So, well done. Oh, just out of interest, can I try that first question on the motorsport? Yeah, let's go. Let's just throw in the motorsport (laughs) questions, eh? Why not? Uh, Question number one, and this is a Formula One question for you, um, Joe, to start off. So question number one on the motorsport was, uh, which Formula One Grand Prix is typically last on the calendar? Oh, it's one of the Middle Eastern ones, isn't it? Um, is it? I think it's Yaz Marina. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's Abu, yeah, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, hang Abu on. Dhabi, but yeah. you know what? I could have. You could have gone another way with that one because hmm. traditionally, traditionally, until they built Yaz Marina, it was Brazil. Right. 
Ah. Remember, remember when Lewis Hamilton finished fourth and beat Felipe Massa to the world title when Felipe Massa was jumping up and down in Brazil with his dad saying, oh, I'm a world champion. Eh. No, I'm not. And, and, um, That's right. And that it was, was 2008. Oh, wait. Look yeah. at this. Oh, he knows hey. it. But the last three or four years have all been at Abu Dhabi, so I would have accepted that as the answer. <laughs> I'm going to give you question two, yeah. uh, Joe, with the motorsport round. Uh, which IndyCar team does Scott Dixon race for? Oh, Pinsky, is it? Eh, Team no. Pinsky? But you'll know this one. No, that's Scott McLaughlin. Chip Ganassi Racing. Oh, that's correct. my bad. Chip Ganassi. And just finally, um, and I know you won't know this one, but we'll see if Stephen does. Who was the last Australian to win the V8 Supercars Championship? Oh, that's easy. It's been about four years. Uh, 2018. 17. 18. 17. Scotty won three in a row. 18, 19, 20. Yeah. 17 <laughs> at Newcastle. I know more about Super. No, no, no Google uh, knows more about Supercars than I Come do. on, come on, come on. Because Scott McLaughlin hit Craig Lowndes and got penalised, who won? Do you remember, Joe? Or do you know? Oh, no, no, I'm not a V8 man. Jamie Winkup. <laughs> That's correct, Jamie Winkup. The GOAT. Uh, so lucky you didn't pick Motorsport because you would have lost out there on the third question. <laughs> you would have lost yeah. your sleep drops and your, your bonus bet. So well done, mate. Uh, but you, you got there with, uh, with, with footy ball, with soccer football. So well done. Good chat, Joe. Really appreciate awesome. you being a part of it, mate. And uh, have a lovely and safe Christmas and look after yourself, okay? Yeah, no, no worries. Merry Christmas to you guys too. Great Thanks, show. buddy. There you go. What a what a lovely bloke. And can I? Could you have just given me the question? It's like sitting around the campfire, sitting around home, having a coffee, having a cold one, and saying, "Just can you just just test me just in case?" He won anyway, which is cool. It's coming up to ten to midday. Uh, just a reminder: after midday, we're going to talk disc golf. If you don't know what a disc is, it's a frisbee, but you're not allowed to call them frisbees. It's disc golf, but it is exploding in this country. And we're going to talk to the godfather of disc golf, Bob Gentle, after midday. So stay with us. The story about how he got his stage name, because normally WWE stars are given their name. Even The Rock was given the name. But he was able to choose his own. And the story is is quite cute. So hang out for that one. That's around 12.30 this afternoon here on SENZ. Uh, just a reminder, too, you can take on the longest day golf challenge. It's that 72 holes. I mean, 72 holes of golf in one day. Start early. That's that's the, the bonus for a start. But it will test your skill. It will test your stamina. But the challenge is to successfully complete the four rounds, okay, the four full 72 holes in one day to raise funds for the Cancer Society. 71 people in Kiwis every day, 71. It's a staggering number every day diagnosed with cancer in this country. So what you do is you choose the day, the course, and, and the team, which it's actually much more fun playing with a team than on your own. As I said to Sam earlier this week, if I was playing my own, I'd end up with no clubs. So you need mates around you to make sure that you don't break those clubs on the trundler unless you carry your bag yourself. Never been a fan of carrying my own bag. Uh, the longest day this year was earlier this week, Wednesday. But you can play in any day in December or January that suits you. You can register at longestday.org.nz. That's longestday.org.nz. Uh, Sam, I'm not sure as a golfer, but you gotta t- you got to tell me the story that you told me this morning about setting up for a stag do. Uh, because wow. I, I haven't giggled as much about someone trying to go rafting in a long, long time. Please share the story. This is um, one of many uh, Sam Hewitt mishaps, but um, I almost as well just want to be careful here. I'm, I know the stag probably doesn't listen and isn't listening oh. today, but should he be 
randomly tuning in. Oh, I forgot. Sorry, he'd be, man. He'd be ruining the surprise. And I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident okay. that uh, no one's listening. So we've got a stag do coming up well, on January the 15th. Listening. We've got a stag do coming up on January 15th, and what we're going to do is we're going to um, get a whole bunch of inflatable rafts, and we're going to go down the Puhoi River um, just north of Auckland. Um, but, of course, we needed to test... The, both the raft and the conditions of the river. What quality are the rafts? The rafts are good quality. They cost a couple hundred bucks each. Oh, wow, well, okay. Yeah, we're going to split that between everyone, so that's fine. But um, we obviously needed to test the water and test the conditions, make sure everything was okay. And look, I've only got a minute, um, but okay. long story short, um, when it's low tide, the wind's blowing, <laughs> and the river's a lot wider than you think, um, let's just say we spent about two hours just walking with the raft <laughs> and getting very muddy and dirty and wet. So you did the commando course. We did the commando course and the wind's blowing the raft all over the place because it was like a 25 knot southwester. And then we finally get to where the river sort of gets a bit more sheltered and we get in and we're still sort of just going nowhere every time we paddle. So there was at one point, both of us, there was two of us in the raft, we were literally putting our hands into like the mud on the bottom of the thing and just pulling the raft along like with our fingers in the mud. Um, and it was much like things that by the end of it, by the time we got back to the car, it had been like five hours. We were wet, we were cold, we were hungry, we were angry. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're just hoping that uh, the weather's a little bit nicer on uh, on the day. Did you uh, even get into the water at all and, and we, see we how strong? The river was yeah. Once we got to like sort of the more sheltered area, it actually ended up being quite leisurely, and the current, uh, the leisurely. sort of tide did take us along, and we just sort of parked up. But by that point, we were so gassed anyway, aren't we couldn't do anything. Ha- aren't you happy though that your reconnaissance actually oh, was a reconnaissance? The, the, the right? intel, the intel the gathered intel is uh, invaluable. So, well, well, whoever your mate is, what's his name? Richie. Uh, well, we wish him the best on his stag do because it's going to be a lot of fun, and he'll probably want to end up running for an SAS uh, after if that happens again. All right, thanks for that story. I, I, you had to share that today. I couldn't let you. Get Get away with that one, Sam. It's heading towards midday here on SENZ Summer Days. Coming up, Daniel Vito and first up, Bob Gentle, the godfather of disc vault of golf in the country. Plus, winners, text of the week, text of the month, and call of the week. Oh, yes, Santa gets into the sack after midday. His pro sack. After midday here on SENZ. This is Summer Days on SENZ. The lads are doing their calisthenics, lifting their knees, bending their hips, and having a whole lot of fun. Laura Brannigan, I think it's the late Laura Brannigan too, and her huge hit called Gloria to kick off the afternoon here on Summer Days, where in the next 60 minutes we will talk to Daniel Vito, replay an interview we had with him a month or so ago about his journey to the WWE. Plus, we will play Santa Claus. We'll have the caller of the week and the text of the week and the text of the month, which wins that $10,000. Temper sleep pack. Yeah, it's a queen bed, the mattress, the whole nine yards. But let's get busy now with something I bet you never thought you'd hear. There's an explosion of disc golf in New Zealand. Now, I could say frisbee golf, but you're not allowed to say frisbee anymore. And did you know there are some 20,000 New Zealanders flying discs around the country? 
and it's a genuinely serious sport. There are leagues around the world, world championships, major sponsorship money. There's one gun player, I think it's called Paul Macbeth. Uh, he's he signed a sponsorship there with ten million dollars. He's like he's like the 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 good guy, yeah, the best guy. But the man who brought disc golf into New Zealand is the godfather of disc golf. He's a good buddy too. You might you might know the voice because he's got a beautiful radio voice and he works on radio. And that's Bob Gentle. Good afternoon to you, Godfather. <laughs> Stephen, good afternoon. All good in your world? Yeah, mate. You too. I bet it's just you're fizzing when you when you hear numbers like that playing disc golf. What year did you bring disc golf into this country, and why? <laughs> um, it's funny, really. It goes back a long way for me, back to the '60s when I was throwing the Lincoln frisbees that they used to make in New Zealand. Uh, it turns out illegally, but that's another story. But um, I always loved just playing frisbee and we invented games and things and then in the late 70s I was doing a yacht delivery from New Zealand to the US and we were in Hawaii for a few months while we were working on the boat and and holidaying I suppose and I heard an ad on the radio saying that the Hawaiian uh, frisbee as as it was in those days championships were happening at uh, Konopali Park or whatever it was along the beach that weekend and I thought organized frisbee events so I went along and found out about what was in those days, as you say, the, the International Frisbee Association, the IFA. But of course, Frisbee was a, a brand name that Wemo owned, and in all those competitions, you threw Frisbees because that's all there was. But soon after, of course, people started making Frisbees or flying discs, as they're known nowadays. And so uh, I discovered that in, in the late 70s and came back to New Zealand, and I had a bunch of people that I knew who were really, really keen on just chucking the Frisbee and making up our own games. But, of course, I'd found out about all the organised competitions, so we set up what was, in those days, the uh, NZFA, the New Zealand Frisbee Association, which has since become the New Zealand Flying Disc Association. So next year, in Wellington, in March of next year, we're holding our 43rd National New Zealand Disc Golf Championships. And you will be pl- you have played in every one? I can't not I can't not go now. I can't not go. I just I, I love the sport so much, but I play for fun now. I'm sort of past competing. Uh, although um, I'm planning on going to the US for, for my first year as what they call a legend. It's funny in our sport, the older you get, the better you sound. You're you're a player. You're an open player. <laughs> then then you're a master. Then you're a grandmaster. And then when you hit seventy, you're a legend. And so you're not I, you're not I seventy, hit, are you? But, no, not quite, not quite. Gosh, That's all right. you still look young. But yeah, no, I'll be there in Wellington. I, I haven't missed one. I haven't missed one yet since 1979. So this will be my 43rd New Zealand Championships uh, non-stop. Have you, ever, have, have, you ever, have you ever won it? Uh, yeah, numerous times. Numerous times. Yeah, I, I won it uh, consistently in the early in the early years. I think that's the only reason I won it. I, I ran it. I ran it just to win it. <laughs> but I tell you what, it does my it does <laughs> it does my heart proud when I look at what's happening uh, around the country now and, and and around the world. Because in your intro, you did right. It's become a deadly serious sport. It got recognised a few years ago by the um, the Olympic organisation. Um, as as a, a, an Olympic sport that can now be run, it's just up to whoever runs each Olympics whether they run it or not. Uh, it was at World Games in 2000 and has been a part of World Games ever since. And we represented New Zealand and Japan in uh, 2003, I think was was the World Games as well. 
but it's just got totally serious all of a sudden. It's professional in Japan, it's professional in the US and uh, Europe as well. Yep. So there's four professional leagues around the world where people are making a decent living now, yep. uh, albeit most of it from sponsorship for, as you pointed out, uh, Paul McBeth's uh, $10 million deal over 10 years with Discraft, one of, the, one of the disc manufacturers, but that's pretty spectacular. But it does my heart proud because finally we've got to the stage in New Zealand now where city councils are phoning us going, shit, um, Tim Maru's got a disc golf course. We need to put one in Omaru. Um, shit, oh. we need, we need a, oh. a disc golf course. Who do we talk to, you know? Really? It's finally uh, happening. Well, that, that, and not only that, but ball golf courses are looking at uh, also making money out of it as well because it can work quite happily on a ball golf course because we don't need prepared greens or, or mowing fairways, you know. That is fascinating. But what's even more fascinating, and, and, and having a look at this, I didn't realise that you have to have, if you're playing seriously, different types of discs, which are pretty much named after like golf clubs. You can have a driver, you can have a putter. Yep. So, so tell me, how does that work? Are, are they sized differently, weighted differently? Uh, in most cases, it's all about the, the bevel of the edge. Uh, like a, a quite a beveled edge disc. Normally, it would be would be your driver. In fact, hundred times out of hundred, be your driver off the tee, um, and they're rated by stability. So, if you're a beginning, not not getting a lot of whip on your disc, you'd have an understable disc or an overstable disc. So, you'd have uh, uh, two or three drivers in your bag. Some designed to go a long way and fade to the right. Some designed to hold their line, and some designed to go a long way and fade to the left. Um, uh, the opposite, opposite, if it's the opposite spin, of course, if you're left-handed. Um, then you have your mid-range, so you have your fairway driver, which is not quite as beveled and is a bit more accurate to throw. So you, it won't go as far as a beveled edge driver, but it's for your upshots or your, your fairway drives. Mm. And then you have your putter approach disc, which is a, a more rounded edge disc, a bit more like mm. your standard throw-and-catch frisbee, uh, not, a, not as light. Um, the... Most golf discs, most guys are throwing around 170 to 175 grams. Um, you can get them down to 150. In fact, in Japan, uh, I think they've just changed the law, but when they bought in disc golf there, it got so popular in the parks, um, they were worried about the heavier discs hurting somebody, so they limited the, the, the flight of the, the, the weight of the discs, rather, to 150 grams. So, so for me, if it's like golf, in golf it's about the swing, but for you, it's in the way it's thrown. Is there a proper way to throw a disc and hold a disc um, it, people, people hold them quite differently but the biggest thing that everybody needs to, I see people on the beach and they're going oh I can't throw a disc I can't throw a disc A make sure it's a disc not a pot plant holder um, if you go to the two dollar <laughs> shop or the warehouse you're buying something that stops the pot plant from really weeing on the carpet that's what that's for but, but make sure you get A a decent disc and B, and this is the crucial one, it's not about how hard you throw a frisbee. It's about what we call in the industry the Zs or the spin you put on it that makes it fly. So when you watch a good frisbee player throw, that looks like they're not putting a lot of effort in, but they're whipping it at the end of their throw. So it's spinning really fast. As long as it's spinning, it'll fly. Okay, so the other thing, and I, and I, I was saying to Sam, my producer, I said it's all in the wrist. Is it all in the wrist? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's all in the wrist. I mean, make, like I'm, I, I'm a big guy and I go to Bull of the Gate and I stand there beside my son who's a slight little guy and he out-throw out me by 20 metres because he's just got the technique. You know what we haven't asked? 
what what got you into it? What fascinated you about frisbees that it became a lifelong passion? Uh, it has been a lifelong passion too. Funnily enough, I'm just um, a few friends have put pressure on me to to write some history of New Zealand frisbee, and I thought, yeah, I should I, I should do that. Yeah, uh, as they pointed out, so I'll be I'll be around longer than most of them. But um, I don't know. I could, as far as I can remember back, um, I, I guess initially for a solo mum with four boys, it was cheap entertainment. We always had in the back of the Morris Eleven Hundred uh, a frisbee. And when we went to the park or the beach, the frisbee came out and we chucked frisbee. That's what we did. You know, we had balls and all the rest of it as well. But I just, there was something about the flight of that bit of plastic through the air that just caught my imagination. It just, I, I enjoyed it. And I looked at, you know, as soon as you sort of can throw and catch, like most people, you start going, well, let me try a tricky catch behind the back or under, under my legs or mm. jump in the air or whatever. And it sort of just, it went from there. And, I, and when I found out, as I say, in the late seventies about the um, organised frisbee events and things, boy, boy, that changed that changed my world. Did, uh, did did were you were you mocked early in this country? You know how we like to knock people, the old tall poppy thing. You know when you were being serious and getting it getting it going. Where did people mock you and say, "What the heck are you doing?" Uh, no, not really, not really. Um, I think if people, you know, when people stand and watch, like I live on by Takapuna Beach and I'm down there pretty much every day throwing frisbee, and the amount of people that come along go, "Whoa! Didn't know you could do that with a frisbee." You know, <laughs> we just play throw and catch on the beach, and we're standing 80 meters apart, and we'll throw it literally to the hand. Uh, Fifty odd courses already in the country. That that is when you think about yeah. that, and and even in terms of golf courses, that's a lot of courses. How is it as big as a golf course when we talk meters? Uh, no, 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 it's not. Um, the other thing is, it's easy to put in. It can go into public parks and work in with everybody else because, as I was saying earlier on, you mm. don't need mowing the fairways, okay. you don't need prepared greens and things like that because we mark the disc, you put a, put a marker down where you land, and your foot's got to be behind there for your next shot, and you throw it through from there. So it doesn't matter if it's a bit of long grass or. Um, you know, whatever. And so that that's why it's growing so fast, because it fits into parks that are all existing around the place. You know, like in Auckland, there's a great little nine-hole course in Henderson Park. that's um, also got playing fields and stuff in the middle, but we don't need the playing fields. We want to go around the trees and around the back and through the through the wooded areas. But the holes average from probably 60 or 70 metres to 250 metres. Um, top top throwers now are th- throwing drives in, on, an, on an open fairway, uh, regularly 150, 160 metres. Oh my goodness, that's huge. That's, I mean, is there a standard par for the course? Like, like, like it's a 72 par or, you know, the, the courses you yep, on your 18 yep, holders? Yep, yep. every course, yeah. Yeah, we have a, a New Zealand tour, which, which actually started with like five events back in 2000, and now there's something like 25 events, I think, and they're all rated at different different levels for different points. And everybody that plays on this tour gets, gets points awarded to them for what event you play. And... Um, at the end of the year, the top um, 24 or whatever it is get invited to play in the New Zealand Match Play Champs, which is another another great event. But there's events all over all over the country, but um, most of the courses are uh, in, in public parks that are free to play. So that's the other plus about it, and the cost of a, of a frisbee as well. I mean, you can you can play with one frisbee. I, I sell frisbees, and I and um, a lot of people go, oh, what, what do I get? I'll sell them a, a fairway driver that will double up as a, an approach and a and a, and yeah. a putter as well. So you can go out there with one twenty dollar disc or eighteen dollar disc. 
But what? once you've been to it, you'll realize, you'll realize, oh, actually, I want to have a, a disc like that guy's got this. <laughs> I need to do this or do that. Where's the best play, place for people to go and buy discs then? Um, online? online? A lot of disc sales on the way, discgolf.co.nz. Um, and also, um, if you want to buy a pack, the New Zealand company, uh, RPM Discs, make world standard discs. RPM. Uh, yeah, RPM. Um, uh, that's the name of the company, and they've been manufacturing discs in New Zealand now since the 80s. But uh, so they've been under new management for the last 10 years or so, and, and they've just pushed it way past the boundary. In fact, they're, they're sending container loads all around the world, which is just fantastic. But they also sell their starter packs and discs through Rebel Sport as well. Oh, brilliant. Hey, Bob, it's so, I'm fascinated. It's been fascinating talking to you. I didn't realise that the explosion was as great. There was even a tour, but uh, good luck for tournament number 43. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't don't hurt your elbow because I'm sure that has some to play. And, you know, you're not as young as you were, as you said, but uh, a happy Christmas. Be safe. And uh, if I'm ever on Takabuna Beach and I see you at the other end, I'll be, I'll be head down and just making sure I don't get clocked by one. <laughs> no, never fear, never fear. All right, Merry Christmas. Uh, really nice chatting to you. Yeah, you're welcome, Bob. Appreciate that. Bob Gentle, the godfather of disc golf in New Zealand. How about that? So, you know, the, so the average throw, the length of a hole is like 60 to 70 metres, but the big guns, think about that, Sam, the big guns throwing at 150 metres. But as you were right, it's all in the wrist. It's all in the wrist. Yeah, and you need to go on uh, like YouTube or look up some videos of um, some of the best hole-in-ones in disc golf where they just rip it and it just flies and it maybe curves back. Maybe it's a little dog leg hole and it curves back and then it just lands straight into the basket and it's unreal. Yeah, and, uh, and so, so when I when I said to him, you know, were you mocked? Because if you were, you know, you see people going around and it's a natural thing. What are these nerdos doing? Yeah. But then you realise you, what you have just explained, the skill level is is out there. Wow. And it's and it's one of those sports too getting picked up by ESPN, like uh, not the Ocho, but it's getting picked up on ESPN. <laughs> I saw I saw the Ultimate Disc League the other day. Yeah. I was yeah. trying to understand it. Yeah, and you're getting, it's, it's turning into darts where you're getting these big personalities, so they're not necessarily like athletic you know, but they've got these big personalities, um, and you know they're all, yeah they're all getting picked up by sponsors. Like I'm pretty sure someone recently has been picked up by like Adidas or something, which is pretty ma- major. And um, yeah, I just think it'll keep growing the crowds. I'll try and send you this video that I saw um, a couple of weeks ago. It came up on Sports Center, and it was a hole in one, and there was a crowd all around the basket, and like we're talking probably two, three, four hundred people, that's like brilliant. a golf crowd, and they all just go mental when it goes into the <laughs> thing. Like, it's, it is a lot of fun oh, to watch. Oh, that's cool. So there you go, disc golf. If you're thinking about a Chrissy Prezzy, then maybe you buy a disc. You can go online or go to Rebel Sport, as Bob said, and buy a disc, Frisbee, disc uh, for the, a family member. It is 19 minutes past midday. Well, time to head into the Santa sack soon uh, because we are going to give away the Caller of the Week prize. On SENZ. Heading towards 12.25 here on Summer Days on SENZ. I've just had a look at the video on YouTube sent to me by Sam about this hole-in-one. It was by a guy called James Conrad, 
at the 2021 PDGA Pro Disc Golf World Championship. They even had fo- the disc follow, the, the graphics following the disc in his hole-in-one, and you would have honestly believed that you were at a standard golf tournament. It is amazing. So I think you probably just look up James Conrad hole-in-one disc and you'll get it. It's almost had half a million views. It was back in July this year. And everybody's going crazy, and then this guy he's playing, he's just standing around going, yeah, okay, fine. Like, oh, okay, this guy's got a hole-in-one and no one gives a toss about me. And the, the amount of people watching this, it is like a proper golf gallery. And then he runs down the middle of the hole. I mean, you don't see that in golf, do you? He's like pumping <laughs> his fist in the air, running down the hole. Like It is brilliant. And honestly, the follow, the follow disc with the graphics yes, great, eh? is the, outstanding. The, the best one is the one, the front on, because you see it and the flight's coming in yeah. and into the into the hole, which are those, those metal netting sort of baskets, you might call them. It is staggering. And um, fair to say, Stephen, that when you look at him, he's not uh, what you'd say is a quintessential athlete. No, he looks like he eats mung beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd, be, he'd be one of those people who'd probably take the fingers and the rations over the uh, finger. <laughs> you are listening to Summer Days on SENZ. The B-Man, Sam Hewitt, looking after things. I'm Stephen McIver. It's 12.26. Time to be Santa because it's time to get our caller of the week to the courtesy of Night and Day. Remember, they've got it when you want it at Night and Day. $2 pies every Tuesday in December at your Local night, I like that one. They've got it when you want it. And the winner, of course, picks up a $50 night and day voucher. And uh, Bruce is on the line. Hello, Bruce. Stephen, good afternoon. Now, so you just tell us your story. You spoke to us yesterday because we were talking motorsport. Now, you tell us your story again because we love this one. How much time have you got? <laughs> uh, I've got about, well, i got about three and a half minutes. So you just take your time. Okay. But please tell me you're not driving the truck, though. No, no. I had four years over in, in London, UK, and um, I, I ended up joining a international freight company, and we did exhibition and household removals and all that, and uh, Trans-Euro Worldwide, they were called, and uh, they were short of driver, so uh, put me through the course, and next next thing I was driving uh, one of their 360 Scanions. And we would, um, oh, heck, we'd spend seven months out of the UK, all around Europe, basically. And one of the trips, we moved a guy from London or somewhere down to um, Monte Carlo, Monaco. And um, it's funny, when you drive in there, you can imagine a big truck and a 40-foot trailer. You got to, We had to get a police escort in, into the place. They'd scrape around the cobble corners. <laughs> and, and this guy had a... He had two apartments, one on the six and one of the tenth floor of this place on the boulevard. They looked straight down up on the hill. So we had to park back up right up into the corner off the off the street on oh, the footpath. You had to bought you had to you 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 and your trailer had to back up around those cobble corners. Yeah, there's nowhere to park in, in the boulevard. So yeah, we had to literally back straight off the street. Unload. Anyway. That was Saturday, we got that out of the way. He gave us a really good tip, too. He gave us a couple of hundred French francs, which was about <laughs> 300 pounds, I think. But but the but the, cru- the crux of the story is, did you take the truck and anyway, the trailer on the F1 course? Uh, when we left, we had the trailer, and we, we could drive round down the... find the marina that straight and under the bridge and through there. But 
but we went for a drive around most of it just on the, the rig, the truck. And and <laughs> when, when you're in a big truck like that, what's it like? And But did it highlight these guys are driving at ridiculous speeds on a really tight course? Oh, well, I mean, it's totally different to driving a car that's when you're right down on the on your bum. So yeah. I thought, absolutely, it's a very tight course. And I, I followed Formula One quite well. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the um, the slowest course on the uh, the whole competition, that's for sure. The shortest as well. So it's only 3.3 k's round, I think, the course. <laughs> and you did it a Scania. <laughs> Would have been even slower. <laughs> what was your time? What was your lap time? I don't know. I don't know, mate. <laughs> Bruce, it, it, it is such a good story, and we were we were all giggling, thinking, how cool is that? Congratulations. You're our night and day yeah. call of the week winner. You'll pick yourself up a $50 night and day voucher. Have some fun with it, and also have a safe and enjoyable Christmas. And thanks for being part of the SENZ family, mate. You're so kind, mate. And um, I love your work, love your show. Always listening, and um, yeah, very kind, and I'll, I'll enjoy it. Um, Monaco is a very interesting place, the history of it too. It, um, yeah, the Grimaldi family have sort of owned it for centuries. And um, it's a principality. It's quite unique. Second smallest country in the world, I think. And, and, and they've got taxes. And it, yeah, exactly. It's attractive because of no tax. Back in 1869, I think it was. I had a lot of time to read when I was there. So that's how I got so rich. Hardly <laughs> anybody taxed, you see. Nice work. Hey, Bruce, happy Christmas. Be be safe, mate. Happy Christmas to you guys. There you go. There's Bruce, our night and day winner. That's a great story. I don't care what anybody says when you hear someone saying. And to think they tried to back that truck and trailer around those tiny streets on cobblestones. Uh, He must be an incredibly talented truck driver, is our Bruce from Christchurch. But here's our first winner. We've got more winners coming your way before 1 o'clock. This is SENZ with a nice lazy summer sound at 12.33 with Stephen McIver in Summer Days. And still to come before 1 o'clock this afternoon, if you have been chosen as a text of the week winner, well, you could be a winner. And then a double winner. We could even be a double winner. Who knows? Because the text of the month is going to be given away today. Remember, that text of the month is that Temper Queen package. Queen mattress, Temper Queen adjustable base, and two Temper pillows. The value, $10,000. But before that, we do the uh, final look back at some of our sporting interviews of the year. And an interesting one, this one too. I, did a, I, think, I think it might have been a couple of months ago on Extra Time. And it was, it was quite fascinating because it was a good story in the sense of former rugby league player Daniel Vito. He's a big unit, big, big, strong, you know, 6'6", 6'3", uh, winger come centre. Played for the Raiders, St George and the Broncos and I think a bit, a bit of time in the Titans and Super League. But in 2017, he, he called time on it to follow his passion. What was his passion, you ask? I'll tell you. The WWE. He wanted to become a wrestler in the WWE. So my first question was to him, was was it always a dream to be in the WWE? Um, to be honest, mate, what, what, what I did with the rugby rugby world and stuff, that was my, that literally was a dream. So what I dreamt about being, doing in rugby and accomplishing in rugby league and NRL, that was, that was a dream. When I was younger, uh, WWE definitely was my dream. So 
it, it's weird. I went through phases. So obviously the young phase watching, you know, all the WWE growing up, that was obviously, I think, I think nearly every kid <laughs> back home had the similar idea. But, um, yeah, man, I got to live both of them. <laughs> so right now I'm, I'm living the, you know, my, my childhood dream. And, uh, to be able to be out here with such legends that, you know, like, like Shawn Michaels, Triple H. <laughs> John Cena, The Rock, like it, it's been crazy, mate. It's uh, one of those kind of moments where I got to keep pinching myself to <laughs> to just tell myself, no, it ain't a dream. This stuff is real. How difficult is it to make that decision to almost go into the unknown? <laughs> that was a massive decision for me, mate. Um, I've never been a fan of comfortability, and I feel like in the NRL world, I got a bit comfortable. I, I felt like I was on a bit of a revolving wheel. I felt like I felt like I'd already done that part of my life and I would felt like that for the last couple of years. I kept playing rugby. Um, so I felt like I needed a new change. And when this came on board, I was like, Oh my God, I, I, I used to, I used to act, do acting in, in theater, theater classes and stuff in school. And, I, and I've, I've been in a couple of performances. So to be able to like join that with rugby, you kind of get WWE. So this kind of worked out perfectly for me, mate. And the format in which we would, we would take in rugby league, uh, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd go through, you know, instead of going to the field, I'd go to a ring and you'd still do the same things in the gym. But then obviously I'd learn how to talk in front of a camera, how to act, um, things like that, certain things like that. So it's not only, you know, helped me grow as a man inside the ring, but out of it as well. And wow. um, yeah, mate, it, it's pretty cool how I can use all those concepts to everyday life. So for me, I'm really keen to know the process. How do you get into the WWE? What are the steps you needed to take to get to this point? Um, I had to do a tryout. So with the tryout, uh, there was 50-odd people, some people, you know, that, 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 that NFL players or UFC fighters and you got boxers, cha- champions from different things. You, you got all sorts. And in my tryout specifically, there was 50 people. Um, I was lucky enough to be the only one from my tryout that got picked. So uh, it, it's kind of, um, how, how can I say it? You're just put on the spot and you, you follow, follow someone into the ring. They do a demonstration and I was number seven. So I was the seventh of mine. Um, and you'd just go through the whole line and, and uh, try and do your best out there. And uh, that's how it works, mate. And then once I got the opportunity to, to join, um, I've never really looked back, to be honest. It was, it was definitely a massive decision for me. Uh, to sit down and know all the sacrifices that I'd have to make to be in the position I am right now. But uh, it definitely was worth it, mate. If I could, I'd do it all again. So so you get accepted, but you don't necessarily have a contract, right? You're sort of, you're in that learning phase. You're sort of your, your probationary phase to, to become that next athlete, right? Yep. It was a three-year deal uh, I'd signed. So uh, that, was, that was, that was, for me, that was enough. I just needed to get, that signed and once I was over here I just knew that I had to do I, I just knew that I kind of believe in the law of attraction and I always felt like I was going to do well I kind of went into the tryout knowing that I was going to they were going to pick me um, just everything that has happened I've already believed and, and already had you know I've, I've already had a vision of it so uh, I'm, to be honest I'm not I'm not too surprised where I am I, I, I like that's the funny thing where people you know, are you shocked? No, I, uh, I've always, I've done this my whole life. I've, I've always tried to prove doubt is wrong, and and that's what that's what I build my life around. So, um, 
yeah, mate, right now I'm in a position where I've, I've had eight wins, so and, and I'm undefeated as well. I'm Quinn's undefeated, so I, I just got to keep building on on that and keep putting smiles on people's faces, mate. Like last night, I was singing "Sexy Boy" from you know Shawn Michaels <laughs> in front of you know, millions of people, and then. I'm throwing someone around and I'm getting paid to do it. And that's a pretty good day for me. <laughs> and, I, and I know you love that, throwing people around and getting paid to do it. It's, it's, it's perfect. Hey, mate, uh, the one thing that probably doesn't surprise anyone, it was the physicality of it, but also the, the necessity to be flexible. Do you think your rugby league background fit for, from the physicality part helped that, that transition? I could definitely improve on my flexibility, <laughs> but um, no, definitely on an athlete stage, mate, uh, NRL has, has done is more than enough of helped me and helped me in that transition transition to come over into the ring. It, it's made it such a smooth journey so far. Um, I'm, I'm seriously blessed, and I'm so I feel so blessed to be in this position every single day. Um, there's obviously a lot of sacrifices that have to come with this stuff, and you know, missing the family back home. And every time I'm I'm looking on my media, I'm seeing my little nephews and nieces growing older. And I felt like I'm missing that, but I know I'm here for the right reason, and I just don't want to waste any time. So I've been over here. I've just been putting my head down. I, I kind of like, you know, just just getting all my craft together. And I, I'm 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 a big I'm a deep person. I'm a very deep person. So I, I, I like I think a lot, and uh, you know I'm a bit of a chess like I'm, I, I like to play chess. I don't like playing checkers. I like to <laughs> I like to do things three steps ahead of everything. So. Making this character has actually been really fun for me. Uh, most of my motivation was from John Wick, so uh, it's it's been fun, mate. It's been a fun phase, and there's just more things that I can't wait to reveal to you guys uh, down the track. I'm going to get to the Zion Quinn name in a moment um, because I think you gave me a clue there in a moment ago. But I, I want to know the actual day to day toil you go through so you can put on a show. The, the day to day, what sorry? The toil. What what what? How much practicing are you doing? Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's basically, this is the funny thing. It's basically the exact same thing I was doing in rugby, but like instead of going to a field, I'm going to a ring. Um, as for the gym aspect, I think the gym is, is a, it, it's probably a bit harder here. Uh, obviously, because we, we, our body and our image is, is, is a lot to us here mm. in, in our craft. So, uh, but as for the other things, it's just a different, it's an entirely different uh, process. There's it, it, so many different things like, I'd be going to do acting classes and I'd, I'd have, you'd have acting teachers that would come fly in from LA and you'd work with them that had worked with so many celebrities. And uh, you, you do that, you know, every week and you just start building confidence. You learn how to keep the audience engaged. You learn how to, you, you know, work an audience. Mm-hmm. You learn how to, to talk. So it, it doesn't only help you in the ring. It helps you outside the ring and in life as, as a whole. So, uh, it really has helped me grow into the person I am right now, and uh, it, it's just only given to me. It hasn't t- taken anything. So right now, I feel like I'm in the right spot. Uh, my mojo's flowing again. I'm, I'm happy. Um, to be honest, I watch a lot more rugby now because uh, it's, it's not rugby, 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 rugby. It's just, you know what I mean? It's something totally different. Um, and yeah, mate, life's good. Uh, as I said, I'm getting paid to throw people around. It's a pretty cool gig. <laughs> So you, you mentioned the creation of the character. So please explain to me in simple terms, Zion Quinn. Where did the name come from, and who is yeah. Zion Quinn? Uh, I can't reveal too much because okay. there's there's a couple more layers that 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 will come on the screen, you know, in the next coming week. 
So if you guys want to know, definitely tune in. But uh, there's a there's a there's a bit of John Wick about him. Uh, there, there, there's a, there's lots of sides that people don't know, uh, which will you know reveal itself within time. But um, as for the name, uh, Zion Quinn was actually I came up with, with the name, and uh, they approved it. They they, they liked it, which is a, a very rare thing over here. Uh, normally, you just get given one. So I was I was very lucky to, to get it. Um, I, I basically I sat down and when I was thinking about the name and I I, I wanted to look at the four most unused uh, letters in the alphabet and X Z and Q were in those four and I was like oh, what can I do with all these things so I came up with Zion with an X Y O N because you know yeah. that's normally spelt with a Z and then Quinn I'm a massive fan of Harley Quinn uh, so and I feel like my me and her personality-wise, we're kind of similar. So that's how the name was formed. Remind me not get an argument with because Harley, uh, Harley Quinn normally beats someone up with a stick. <laughs> 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 yeah, but she has fun when she does it, right? <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she does have fun. Hey, look, I, I was I was looking at that. Yeah. I was looking at some of your stuff, mate. And did that last night. Yeah, I was looking at some of the stuff, and, and the ble- the Bleacher Report absolutely hammered you on your uh, your win against Robert Stone with that pinfall, which I thought was pretty impressive. They actually gave they hammered you for your singing, so maybe <laughs> maybe you've got to work on that one. But the one thing that everybody's talking about is this. Well, they, and I'm going to have to quote this, okay? The botched leapfrog into a sling blade, which people are now calling it should be called the Quinn blade because it was such a a great yeah. uh, quick thinking. Man, that's a hell of a move. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I, I got. Uh, I've, I've gotten asked a lot of questions from uh, wrestlers, wrestlers around, and they're saying that was actually really, really, uh, really cool what I did. So um, the respect, respect has kind of gone up, which has been awesome for me, mate. So uh, I, I, I think, I think rugby for that. It's definitely given me the athleticism to kind of think on my feet, feet, in, in you know, certain uh, when I'm in a position like that. But uh, hey, mate, pulled it off, and yeah, just keep going. <laughs> That's, that's 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 all I do, mate. Running straight, mate. You you sound like you're you're deeply embedded into which is a so-called. Can I ask you one quick question? A. Have you met the Rock? And B. What's he like? Because he looks like the coolest dude running around. <laughs> yes, I have met him. Uh, actually, fortunate enough to have about a twenty-minute combo with him. Uh, I felt like I had to pay him every minute, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was cool, mate. It was um it was cool. I had a one-on-one uh, conversation with him. I uh, don't want to really go too deep in it, but it was very positive. And but there was just things that he told me that uh, really unlocked unlocked me as a person. Uh, just just the way he told me and, and, and what the things he did, and uh, it's 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 been unreal, mate. Like yeah. meeting him, and then I got I got to meet John Cena a couple of weeks oh, later, wow. which was cool. And I, I was in the Boneyard match for Undertaker's last match, like ever. So that was massive. Um, yeah, mate, it's it's funny how like uh, all my my mates were like, man, you <laughs> at the start they were like, I don't know if you should do this, you should stay on the footy field, but uh, I don't know. I had a feeling, mate, and I I'm normally right in these kind of situations when I when I'm a very energy. Uh, I I feel like I'm I'm very good at reading energy, so um, I'm I'm a big believer in law of attraction, and everything that has happened is kind of being planned inside my mind, so. I'm just going to keep going towards it, mate, and hopefully putting smiles on people's faces along the way. 
Oh, Daniel, I've been smiling since this whole interview's been going because I I can hear the energy and the excitement <laughs> that you're still doing. I'm just going to call you out on one thing, okay? I know you used to play rugby league, sure. but you've been calling it rugby all the way through the interview, okay? It's league, mate. Come on, you're a league, <laughs> all right? Rugby league. Footy, footy. <laughs> footy, yeah, that's good. Hey, uh, Zion Quinn, I thank you so much for your time, uh, and we can only wish you the best of luck because it's, it's such a great watch. Take care, buddy. Cheers, mate. Pleasure. On SENZ. What happens next? That's about ominous, isn't it? Yeah. $50 TB bonus bet. That's not ominous. Uh, well, it's not ominous, but I've been useless all week at this. Absolutely. Oh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember what I've actually picked again. So I think oh, yeah, I think you've got a chance here. Okay, it's go. five seconds long. So tell us what happens after this. And they paid for it as uh, Nonu gets it. Now, no, Nonu! <laughs> That could be any all-black or Hurricanes match that Nono, or even a Blues match that Nono played. No, I think it's a, I think it's a special one. People will pick it up. So I'll play it one more time. And they paid for it as uh, Nono gets it. Now, man, Nono. I think people will get that one, Stephen. You watch, you watch the te- text line light up. You're special. Uh, all right, Summer Days continues here on SENZ on Christmas Eve. Coming your way after 1 o'clock, we talk to Wayne Christie, the president of Motorsport New Zealand, about his new role and an economic report suggesting the amount of money that motorsport pushes into the economy. And we talk to Katie Brown from SEN. Talk about a footy. Yeah, and the ashes. So stick around after 1 here on SENZ. Three on a Friday afternoon, it's Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah, 2021, wherever you are, I hope you are being safe and sensible and there's a smile on your face. Coming your way before 2 o'clock this afternoon, we talked to Katie Brown out of SEN and what's going on on her side of the ditch. Plus, we've got a local hero winner to give away. We'll talk to Mick Guerin about harness racing as well. But first and foremost, we've got to talk about what motorsport gives to this country. A recent report released by Motorsport New Zealand said the amount of money generated into the economy by motorsport is $1.1 billion. That's right, $1.1 billion, which is a heck of a lot of money. And then you tie in jobs and the like. Well, the man to talk to is the president of Motorsport New Zealand, Wayne Christie, who joins us right now. Wayne, that is a, a big, big number. Yeah, g'day, Stephen. Yeah, it, it's really quite staggering, isn't it? Uh, with uh, We always knew that motorsport contributed a lot to our economy and uh, we, we didn't have the means to do such a survey ourselves. But uh, with the help of the FIA and the grants from them, we have been able to get that done. And, and now we've got some figures to back up what we always thought. So what's the purpose of doing something like that? It's, there's a number of reasons for it, really. One, one is, uh, from our point of view, we, we needed to know just what, what our sport was worth to the economy and also some of the dynamics around it, uh, such as uh, how much, on average, a competitor might spend a year, how many nights away they might have, what their average age is, a bit better information around our uh, uh, volunteers as well. 
Uh, it also now gives us some ammunition that we can take to local councils, governments, uh, potential partners, and they can start to... We, we've got some factual figures as to what uh, what what they would what we can bring to them and what, uh, yeah. what they can bring to us. So this is about if, if you want a council or the like to invest in, a, in an event, they know what their return is going to be. I remember talking to someone about the tennis and saying, you know, they go to the council and say, well, this is going to produce so many beds, stays a night in the town and the like, and it gives you an idea about how much people are going to spend in entertainment and the likes. Yes, exactly. That's, um, that, that's exactly it. And now they know that, uh, you know, we've got the likes of uh, even smaller places in South Canterbury here. We've got uh, the South Canterbury Car Club and Levels Raceway. And uh, we, we can actually get some localised information that uh, that can help the likes of the South Canterbury Car Club as well. What did the report tell you about the numbers of people involved in the sport uh, and the amount of job creation that flows on from that and also their volunteers? Yeah, so uh, it, it showed us we've got around 24,000 participants. Uh, that's across competitors, uh, volunteers and our officials. And uh, it suggests that uh, our competitors do around about six events a year. Our volunteers, I think, do around about nine events a year. Uh, competitors spend on average about $17,000. So there's, there's some really good numbers in there, uh, which, which really um, gives us, what we need to know, we, we know now that the average competitor age is around 52, which is relatively old for a sport like motorsport. So we've got some work to do to uh, to help bring that age back down. Well, that, yeah, that would be of a slight concern because you've got so many young Kiwis. You know, we've got the, the Liam Lawsons, we, we've got uh, Hunter McElroy, the Billy Frasers, uh, all these people, like the Nick Cassidy's, the Mitch Evans, all offshore doing their thing. Yet it doesn't. I wonder where, if it's inspiring the next generation. Yeah, I, I think uh, we, we've always had that that good young crop of uh, competitors coming through that we see each year coming to our elite academy, and and uh, we we know that there's great numbers involved in karting. But what we need to do now is really utilise those guys, the Liams, the Billies, the Hunters, to really make motorsport more attractive to to a wider, wider group of younger people. Well, well, the key is ha- having a a summer series if you can run it in these these current times, right? That's actually attractive yeah. for television, because you know the, I know there is the GT series coming up, but but you you know great stuff, big fields sold out. But is that going to be attractive to people on the telly? For me, you look at the Toyota eighty sixes. That's fun. That's attractive. Big fields again, and even the the Grand Prix. Uh, the TRS series, which we were involved in two years ago, was fantastic. But the question still remains, is it entertaining? Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's some work that we need to do. I think the 86 series this year is going to be super entertaining. I think there's 22-odd cars uh, and a whole host of young drivers coming through. So I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see some real entertainment there. Uh, and then when we look below that, we've, we've got a... A, a big range of classes that can appeal to all sorts of uh, ages and budgets, but to be fair, possibly more 
entertaining to the competitors themselves and we just need to get that entertainment factor across to uh, a wider group of spectators. Because it is fun but you've got to get into it right and that's the most important thing because it's you know it's an intensive sport particularly with the safety regulations that are involved. Now I must say congratulations to you Wayne being elected to one of the 14 members of the onto the board of the FIA World Motorsport Council. What's it what's the feeling like to have a seat at the top table in world motorsport? <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's still a little bit surreal, actually. Yeah, that that happened last Friday night uh, with the annual general assembly, which of course was uh, largely held by Zoom, and we're stuck here in New Zealand. And around about uh, half past twelve, one o'clock in the morning, I was found out that I'd been elected, and then thought, oh, that's straight, I can go to bed now. But then I was told that the first council meeting was going to be at three thirty, so I didn't get a lot of sleep that night. But uh, no, look, it's it's great for New Zealand to have a, a seat at that table. We're, um, I believe, on the third period after the late Ron Frost and, of course, the great Maury Chandler. Uh, so to have New Zealand represented there, I think, is really good for our country. And it means that we can we can have a say and hopefully influence some really good stuff that happens in the world of motorsport. So, okay, so what would you like to influence? I mean, what, what are the practical applications for you of being on the board? I think uh, one of them, and uh, it's something that I was able to influence through through the last four years on the, on the Rally Commission, was just applying some of the safety requirements sensibly and in a way that... Uh, that works for people. The FIA has a fantastic safety department and they're constantly coming up with new standards and and new requirements. But we need to be able to apply that in a real way rather than just blindly saying, well, here's a new safety standard and that's going to give us, a, let's say, for example, a fire suit or a race suit, gives you an extra one to two seconds of protection in a fire. Um, but if the cost is going to be twice what it costs now, then it's it's just not practical to implement it the way it is. And uh, so we, we've fought really hard to make sure that when we do introduce new safety stuff, that it applies to us, that it's not cost prohibitive, and uh, and we can implement it in a way that uh, that gets good buy-in from those that have to use it. It's funny you talk about race suits because I've I've been talking to a mate who has a you know, who manufactures these and he says it's just ridiculous because you have to have the FIA sticker on it. It sends the the price of race suits through the through the roof, and for for young kids and mums and dads wanting to get their you know into this sport, it can become restrictive. But you have to have it. Yeah, and, you know, I've, I've uh, not, not that long ago replaced a lot of my safety gear and had a bit of a mental add-up. And, you know, just in your in your, in your apparel, uh, by the time you've got your helmet and your hands and your race suit and things, you're, you're up to sort of six $7,000 easily. Mm. And we, we just need to make sure that what we've got is, is fit for purpose, is safe. It doesn't have to cost the earth. So the, the Motorsport Council is responsible for all aspects of motorsport globally. Is there one big thing, do you think, that's on the agenda for change? Have they talked about it at all? Uh, perhaps a wee bit early to tell, Stephen, but uh, the, the the members of the FIA, which is the, uh, the, the sporting bodies around the world, have clearly signalled a desire for change uh, by electing the new president, Mohammed bin Salayan, rather than opting for a continuation 
more or less of, of what what we've had under the reign of John Todd and uh, before him Max Mosley. So uh, Muhammad has brought some uh, some some pretty big wishes with him. He's wanting to double the global participation of motorsport in the next four years. And uh, it's going to be interesting working with him and seeing what his ideas are to, to help bring that to, to reality. How strong is the green future for motorsport? Are they put, going to push the green future? Because, you know, we do understand one thing, motorsport is about noise. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's going to be a problem for us. Electric cars are, are certainly coming in, and I know that there's been a lot of work done on hydrogen-powered cars. Um, and... Like, like every aspect of our society, we've, we've got our part to play in uh, in making sure that things are environmental and sustainable. Um, so, you know, the, the days of us having big noisy cars may, may be uh, maybe numbered. Oh, but, shush! Uh, Hush me, your mouth! Stop I it! Know. Come on, you're but, our representative yeah. on the board. <laughs> all for noise! All for noise! Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the the smell of rubber and, and the noise and, and, and everything's all just part of it, isn't it? So we, we've got to protect that as best we can. Well, I think it's doable. You've just got to computer enhance the noise. I'm a great believer in that. Uh, Alexis did it with their LF1. They they made it sound like a, a Formula One car and that, that ridiculously expensive LF1 a long, long time ago, a million-dollar car they lost money on. So it's doable. Wayne, yeah. congratulations. Uh, have a lovely Christmas and uh, just take it easy over the summer, okay? Thank you, Stephen. Look forward to seeing you at a track soon. Yeah, hope to get out there. Thanks, mate. It's one fifteen. This is SENZ Summer Days and time to cross the ditch to SEN Afternoons and Katie Brown. Hello, Katie. Hello, Stephen. How are you? Wow, you are loud in my ears. You're on fire, girl. That's good. Um, are, are, you, are you basking in the ashes glow at the moment, thinking they have no chance? Oh, I usually do. Yeah, I usually go in pretty confident as an Aussie, as we do, but sometimes we get a little carried away. So <laughs> I'm actually trying to be confident, not cocky. Okay, so so if I you know if I said we were the number one test nation, what would you say about that? <coughs> Just a subtle reminder, you know, oh, the I... test championship, that sort of stuff. Yeah, look, Staffy does that to me weekly, and I oh, tend to say, well, oh, okay. look, uh, we might not talk next week. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a warning. Hey, have you done? Have you done your Chrissy shopping yet? Okay. Disclaimer, I've actually done none. My family told me we weren't doing presents. Yeah, now, okay. when they say they're not doing presents, yep. you take their word for it, right? Fair there play. are Christmas presents under the tree. <laughs> Oops. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the Christmas Grinch I'm talking to. Hey, uh, <laughs> y- you, you and I love footy, right? I love my league. I love my mm. league. I was really surprised, but not surprised, Jermaine Asako signing three years for the Dolphins. Mm, okay, I was surprised and also thought, wow, go Jermaine. Yeah. You've got three more years added to your career that I didn't think he'd get. Oh, harsh call. Come on. He had plenty of years left. Plenty under the right coach, but his form has taken a major dip. So I think it's a smart move. And Wayne Bennett, I praise him for having belief in Jermaine because he played his best footy under Wayne anyway. Yeah, well, there you go. You see, I know you play footy as Robert. Come on, don't be so harsh on him. He's a, he's pretty no. quick. He's solid. He's got a good. He's a good kicker, and he'll be a mentor. But he's and he, he's not even. He's a young. He's a young kid, Katie. Come on. No, I I don't mean that in the nicest way possible. As <laughs> I'm removing my personal admiration for him into purely the football form. 
And I haven't been happy with his football form the last oh, couple of years. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. So, all right, well, we'll, we'll play that one. Are you a little concerned that – I mean, they don't seem concerned about buying talent, but I'd be slightly concerned – just you know, they haven't they haven't bagged a biggie. I mean, let's be blunt. Felice Calfusi wasn't the major buy for them. No, not at all. I, I do think behind closed doors that there might have been a little concern that they didn't get who they wanted straight away in Brandon Smith. I thought they they were really yeah. sold on that. However. It is Wayne, and they've still got time. I feel like there is going to be so much movement, as I'm sure you think too. Mm. Start of the year, and by June next year, they're going to have stars. They'll have a good spine. Ponga. Ponga, Ponga, Ponga. Ponga's definitely on their list still. The conversations are flowing. Yeah, I reckon they get him. I reckon they get him because of the coach, and that's why you sign a coach, even if he's over 70, right? Because he Mm. knows how to deliver premierships. And why wouldn't Ponga want a couple of years under him? They'll pay him 1.3, 1.4 million or whatever, and he'll be worth everything, so long as you say, quite rightly, they have the spine. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what they're they're missing. They're signing too many outsiders right now, and and not starting seventeen. Jermaine could possibly be on the wing there somewhere, and he does have the goal kicking presence. Yep. But once they they get their top thirty sorted, um, I think that they should be in good stead for a top eight. Oh, I've already banked on them making top eight in their first year. Are you still Are you still playing NRLW? I, I, so I never played NRLW. I play in the comp below yeah. that with the NRLW players. Um, but yes, I will continue to train. I'm training with Wynnum Manly at the moment. So what do you think of this Newcastle side? They've got about you know a majority of Kiwi ferns in there. Mm, uh, I think they could be a dark horse. Um, I think that they could be an outsider team that upsets a few because we've seen... Uh, over years that Dragons, Roosters have been mm, full, yeah. stacked full of talent and have done nothing. Yeah, exactly. So you can't write them off. Yeah, no, don't write them off. All righty. Hey, um, right. You, so you've got a couple of things to do after the after your shift. You've got to go and buy some prezies, Katie. got to go buy some prezies. Oh, I don't know. I'm in Grafton. I don't know what's open after Okay, Okay, so, so I don't know where Grafton is. Where is Grafton? <laughs> <laughs> it's in Queensland. No, not really. It's in New South Wales. It's a small town um, of 19,000. Oh, lovely. And there's not a lot happening. <laughs> so you're a country girl, huh? Yes, and I'm actually broadcasting out of my mum's hair salon, which my listeners are well aware of. Um, so we've been talking about that. <laughs> Fantastic. How many colours is she doing today? Well, she's already done my hair and she didn't even blow dry it because I didn't have time. Oh, look so, at you. Look but me, I'm thankful. You look fantastic. I, I'm, I'm my wife's a hairdresser <laughs> as well, so I know exactly what you're up, again, up against. <laughs> Katie, happy Christmas. Thanks for sharing the love. Yeah, you too, Stephen. I hope Santa finds you. Yeah, I hope not. Who knows? All right, take it easy. Katie Brown from SEN and Mum's Hair Salon. That is, that is so cool, is it not? That is so cool. Wow, look at the time. Right? It's racing away on us. It's 20 past one. Stephen McIver, and for me, Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 1.25. That was a big breath, wasn't it? A bit of a... Su- <gasps> Excuse me, One twenty-six here on Summer Days on SCNZ. Time to figure out what happened next. And my initial thought was, uh, Nisbo calling, they mentioned Ma'a Nono. So for me, it could have been an all-black test, could have been a blues te- uh, game, whatever. Mm, mm. So play it again, Sam. Okay, oh, play it again, Sam. for it as uh, Nono gets it. Now, Ma'a Nono. Okay, I got no idea. 
<laughs> I got no it's idea. It's an All Blacks test. Yeah. It's an All Blacks test. There's a couple of correct answers okay. in there, but, but you're right. There could be a number of things, really. So um, the one I liked, but I don't know whether it is, is that the one where someone says Nonu <laughs> loses his boot out wide to Dag celebrate early try to win against the Springboks? It's a great text for a number of reasons. But it's not that one. No, that could be one of the reasons, is that it is correct. Is it correct? Well, let's find out, shall we? And they paid for it as uh, Nonu gets it. Now, man, Nonu! He's got Dag! Israel Dag! Ho-ho! What a try! Man, Nonu sets it up. Israel Dag scores the winner. What a break, what a finish. Look at the reaction of the players. They are ecstatic. How have they come? From where they were to snatch this game. So, so there's a text here that says Israel Dag about to score last minute try to beat the Springboks 29-22 to win the Tri Nations in 2010. Yes, I don't think that was that's the correct scoreline though. From memory, we only okay. won by one point, but that, he could be right actually. Maybe it was 21. But is that the exact? That, is that is that what happened? That next? is exactly what happened. Yeah, I think it was 2010. I want to say it was Soweto. Um, but yeah, it was Israel Dag. Um, Manu busted through, lost his boot in the process, passed Israel Dag, and Israel Dag actually told the story um, on air about how because he does come dangerously close to the dead, the dead ball line as he's sliding over, the ball <laughs> literally goes down just before the dead ball, and he got told in the dressing room. Um, Shag came up to him and said, um, "Like, don't, don't ever you know prematurely celebrate again." Blah blah blah, and teed off at him, and then as he turns to Corey Jane and says. What's he on about? I just won him the game. <laughs> and, Co- and Corey Jane says out loud, like, oh, is he's mad because he thought he won you the game and now you're teeing off at him? And oh, obviously Shag would have just been looked at behind him like, you little prick. So, uh, but, that is, but that was the correct answer to what happens next. So oh, brilliant. Uh, we will send out a Tabby bonus bet to one of those uh, lucky texters. Fantastic. We should probably just do a little Jack Links makes you think right now. What do you oh, think? Yeah, you're thinking about something, are you? I am thinking about okay. something. A bit tasty. Got something in my mouth. Jack Links makes you think. Irresistible flavour to satisfy your hunger. Yes, Jack Links makes you think. Thanks to all new... I'll do this this way. Your all new maple and brown sugar ham jerky. So, uh, I've been thinking about what you said to me earlier, Sam, about the whole, do I go Christmas shopping at what time? And what's your MO in, in shopping? And I said to you, probably the best time to go is between three and five at a, if you're going to a mall because the workers aren't out yet. And, you know, that's okay. Because if it gets, I reckon it gets after five, after seven, it starts to get a little bit busy. And I think it's really important that you you plan it. But you should have planned it anyway. Should have. You know? and, and for me, I'm a planner, yep. except this year. And I've still got a couple of bits and bobs. To do so, I don't really want to go into the mall again, as I said to you the other day. Uh, I said to you yesterday, I went the other day, we got a bit anxious, all these people around me, and I said, I don't want to be around people after having two years not being around people, but it's okay. So, I think the key to all of this is planning. And if you are out there amongst the traffic, just don't lose your rag. It's as simple as that. Be patient, you'll get it done, and tomorrow, wake up happy and smile. It's been a hell of a year. We just all need to smile a bit. And that was Jack Link's Makes You Think. Hey, Thanks um, the all-new ham jerky with hickory smoke and dash of maple brown sugar. They've gone the whole hog. They have. Um, hey, Johnny Sorry. Mac, um, have you done all your Christmas shopping, mate, or do you yep. need to... You have. You yep. have. Okay. You, have you ever? Are you ever a last-minute guy? You always I try uh, not to be. Okay, that's smart. No, that's smart. because, um, you know, you want to keep Christmas Eve free to... 
Have Smart, a Johnny. Maybe have a couple of couple of quiets and um, oh, just look. sit back and relax and ease into you know what's going to be a fantastic following day. But, I mean, that's that's you're a wise owl, Johnny Mac. You know, I, <laughs> not always. I, I wish I received that advice. I wish I received that advice about a week ago because after my rafting um, saga of last night, Stephen. Oh, that's blowing your shopping. It's going to be a similarly stressful evening. Don't be stressed. Do oh, not be stressed. Mate. No, take a deep, take a deep breath. Look at everybody else get stressed and just figure I, it out. Have I've, a plan. I've got the advantage of um, what I'm going to. It's, it's click and collect. I'm not actually going to buy. I'm going to pick up. So I think that's an advantage, right? Because you're not, you're not spending time going. You, See, just, that, that's a plan. That's that a, is plan. a plan. Click that is a plan. Yep. It is, but you've got to navigate the traffic. I know. that's that's And it's Albany yeah, Mall, which just, just is terrible, really. Oh, breathe. Gosh. Breathe, boys. Do not have road rage. Just breathe. You will get there in the end. Don't worry about the nompties out there. Mm. It's a, something Murph always says to me. Don't think you need to rush and go anywhere else because that's when accidents happen. And I'll tell you, I'll admit to you, it's not so much the, the, the um, car traffic that it's when you're in the mall and you get someone walking in front of you that's just doesn't quite get the message that this isn't a 2K an hour zone. Okay, so um, here's the tip. <laughs> just pick up the pace, lady. No, no, Come no. On. Here's the tip that people have forgotten, and I always do, and they look at me as if I've wet my pants. Yes. Excuse me, may I go past? Or just say, excuse me. And they look at you and say, what strange person is this that's saying, excuse me? Because everybody else just pushes through. A little politeness and courtesy goes a long way. Yeah, it's and just, uh, that, that's like me on my bike. You know, if I see someone walking on the bike track, and I'm going, I just say, coming through! No, that's, <laughs> that's I, I love that, Johnny. That's what I do in the supermarket as well. Really yeah, coming through! Oh, and, and, of course, stick to the left. You know, if you're going to walk you know, in the mall, stick to the left. Just what, what side of the road do you drive your car on? That's all I ask. People are yeah. stupid. Oh. Keep it orderly. Okay, look. One, so, 132. I'll keep, I'll keep my mood. Breathe, in breathe for me. Breathe, okay. breathe. One in, in, inhale. Yes. Hold it. And now let it out. Is that like the six second one? No, nah, it's a boxing six thing. Six and six out. Works, okay. works, all, works all the time. We got to hold it and then let it out. But then you're about to go and punch someone up. So I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> that's the hole where I want to go. Take, you're taking this too far. Just breathe. Let's move on. <laughs> on SENZ with Stephen McIver. Merry Christmas to you wherever you are. Make sure it's a safe and enjoyable one. And you give your time, self time to just sit back and breathe and relax. Close your eyes and take the woes of the world away. That's what Paul Mawadi does to me every time he comes on and from the TAB. He gives, takes the worries of the world away because he's always happy. You can bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. What update do you have for me, Paulie? Right, Stephen. Of course, tomorrow, Christmas Day. So that's family time. So get stuck into that um, because Boxing Day is a huge, huge day. So family time tomorrow was uh, on Christmas Day. But Boxing Day, uh, everything's going on. At Ellerslie, we're going to have a bonus back promotion on all 10 races. There's also going to be a $100,000 guaranteed late quaddy at Ellerslie and a guaranteed $50,000 first four on every race at Ellerslie. Uh, down at Awapuni, we've got a hot jock promotion on Boxing Day. Uh, the hot jock at Awapuni is Lisa Allpress, and we've also got a hot jock promotion down at Wingatui on Boxing Day, and the hot jock down there is Tina Tomanyagi. So there is plenty on on Boxing Day, so relax tomorrow, spend time with the family, and then Boxing Day, we're all on. How long do you put your lamb in for, by the way? You know, we were talking about lamb recipes before. How long do you put it in for? Hour and a half? Yeah, well, it depends on how big the, yeah, okay. the, yeah, yeah, the cut of meat is. But usually hour and a half, maybe a little bit longer. Start it off real slow and then uh, pump it up towards the end just to get it nice and uh, put a colour on. Yeah, that's, that's my boy. All right, happy Christmas, mate. Yeah, cheers, Stephen. You too, and to all the listeners as well.
All right, Paul Mawadi from the TAB. Uh, promotions in plan, hundreds of sports markets to choose from. You can visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly, R18. So this is a bit of fun because we've we've given away things today. We, remember we asked uh, someone to nominate their local hero by texting local, followed by their hero's name and what they do to double A double three. And today we all announced our Burger King local hero of the week who will win a $40 Burger King Burger Bucks. Now on the line, I have Anthony Delaney. Hello, Anthony. I'm Stephen. How are you? Good, Stephen. How are you? Tough? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. So um, can you please tell me what you do? Uh, I'm um, the junior convener for the Eastbourne Cricket Club, which is what I think Brett has nominated me for. So um, basically just uh, coordinate the juniors and get the season organised and, um, yeah, just try to produce the the next lot of um, cricketers who love the sport and then um, help um, encourage the kids to go on to better and bigger things. So on, on part of the text was, which you have uh, for, which I think is probably the other part of why he nominated you he, he said um, he also runs the Friday night cricket for under fours. Imagine 50 under fours throwing balls at you and his kids are yeah. in the older and his own children in the older grade says that doesn't have to do it. He's a good man. Is it really like that? Yeah, yeah, we have um, between 50 and 60 registered kids on uh, for Superstar Cricket on a Friday night um, down at our local cricket club, which is um, adjacent to our um, uh, our RSA club as well. And so the parents really love it. They come down, they can relax, and the um, kids just run around and they pitch and um, hand-eye um, coordination and some ball coordination and um, hitting bats, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting when you've got some three-year-olds <laughs> and some four-year-olds there. Um, but the main thing is that uh, the parents love it and the kids love it, and um, hopefully some of them go on to play cricket. Well, you must be doing the right the right thing, Anthony, because you got fifty kids out there wanting to come and hang out with you and and teach and you're teaching them maybe the basic skills of cricket. What satisfaction do you get? Um, oh, heaps. Of, oh, I've got three older boys that don't do that, but they've gone through that pathway. And, um, uh, and my older son, who's 13, is just about to go into college and he's really into his sport, whether it be cricket or rugby. And um, it's just good to see them progress um, and just enjoy it, really. And that's the satisfaction. That's why you do it. And um, I, I, I come from Australia, and if you haven't been to my accent and and really it's our, our, our um, national sport, and so it's just great to see kids get into it. Oh, that's great, mate. Uh, does does summer include beach cricket for you? Does it never go away? Yep, never goes away. <laughs> um, we've also got backyard cricket, and and the great thing is my, my wife was never really into cricket, but she's, um, she really loves watching cricket now and watching the, the kids play and even getting into the backyard and playing with it. So which is uh, all around sporting a family. That's that's brilliant. Anthony, congratulations. You're our Burger King local hero of the week. You've just won yourself 40 bucks worth of Burger King burger bucks. Happy Christmas, my friend, and keep up the good work. Thanks, David. My kids will be right with that one. (laughs) No, don't tell them. Don't tell them. Take it to yourself. Have a little little cheat meal on the side. Thanks, Anthony. One thirty-nine here on SCNZ. Our good mate, Mick Guerin, is not too far away.
145 SNZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver, 0800 150811, 0800 150811. You know, there are many people in the world that I admire, but I don't admire them as much as I do as our next person. Person. He's very stylish, very cool, and knows his stuff. That's our very own Mick Guerin. Hello, Mick. Mate, you won't believe where you've got me, Stephen, because as the listeners will know, both you and I have a deep love of the exotic oh, car. Oh, you're going to do this to me again, aren't you? You are sitting, sorry, Stephen, you are sitting at Giltrap at Aston Martin, aren't you? I am. I'm just, just signed the paperwork as we speak, I Stephen. Just, so there you go. My Christmas present to myself was complete. <laughs> thank you for rubbing that in my face. But I certainly hope well, that you have to clean that damn black car over and over again because I don't care what the car is. You don't buy black. Well, the good news is, Stephen, that Aston Martin are good enough to clean it for you. But and I'm not by no means <laughs> I'm that people. A lot of people here would know that I come from a I come from a big family in Greenwich, and we didn't grow up with any money. But it does go to prove one thing, Stephen. And this is. Are you there? Where's he gone? He's just gone off the line. Oh, better, better. And, uh, yeah, goes to one thing. I'm just buying my new Aston Martin, but I forgot to pay my phone bill. Oh, he'll come back. He'll just wait a minute. Is he, is he back there, B-Man? <laughs> okay, so did you pay, not pay your phone bill, pal? No, nah, right, I can't afford it after that. No, it's a funny <laughs> thing, Steve. People, people say to me all the time, because obviously you get known to be the racing guy, and people say, well, no one can make money racing. And it just goes to show you, if you're willing to concentrate, don't bet stupid. And, of course, people listening to this who don't bet a lot should always bet responsibly. Never bet more money than you can afford to lose. Never bet your rent. That is stupid. But if you're willing to concentrate, there's a little way to make some money here, there, whether you concentrate on American basketball, whether it's cricket, whether it's rugby league. If you concentrate, you can get a chance. And, uh, yeah. Do the um, mahi get that, that's do, one, of the, one of the reasons we got, got ourselves a Christmas present today. Do the mahi get the treats. That's good. No, I like I like that. All right, so what, what, is, what can we look forward to in the coming days uh, as far as the Haas racing is going? The big meeting immediately is at Cambridge today. It's actually in play at the moment. So usually they race Friday night. Of course, they're not because it's Christmas Eve. So there's a race I like there today, Stephen. There's the last race on the card goes at 4.30. So if you've finished your work for the year, peeps, um, and you want a little bit, and again, always bet responsibly. We're not telling you at SEN, uh, SEN to bet or SENZ to bet. What we're saying is if you can have a bit of spare cash and you want to have a little play. Horse in the last race today, race 12 at 4.30 at Cambridge's last tango in heaven. <laughs> nice. Now, it's around 3.6. If you chuck your cappuccino money on, so you put your $5, or maybe your spates money if you're down south, you put your $7 on, you might get $25 back Can or $20 back. And that, well, that might get you a couple more cappuccinos or a couple more spates. Seven bucks for a spates, that's ridiculously cheap. Hey, that's really depends cheap. On, depends where you go, Stephen. The people in the south know more about this than you and I do, so they'll make their own numbers up. <laughs> and then on the harness racing front, they head to um, they head to Westport on the grass. That's one of those fun, nice. cool, picnicy meetings. That's on Sunday. But I would love to go. I haven't been to 20 years because of my commitments up here. Well, they almost leave it. I would love to go again. It's on the bucket list. That was my home track meeting when I was a kid. Um, then we hit Gore on Sunday. Then we're facing every day next week. Banks Peninsula races on Monday. I was on Tuesday. So a lot of fun stuff. Then next Friday, we go to Alexandra Park for the serious stuff. They have a big meeting. You know, biggest big money, $150,000 type race. So pretty much if you want to follow what's going on, the two websites are hrnz.co.nz. That's if you really get into the minutiae of it. Or for the basic stuff, tab.co.nz. 
that people like myself and Lillian and what we'll be on the radio being are kind of bouncing information off people, trying to find your limit because we realise, Stephen, a lot of other people um, have a lot of commitments and a lot of things going on in their lives, so they haven't got time to deal with that stuff. So we'll try and do something for you. Hey, Mick, you know you talk about your bucket list, right? Now, you, you could hop on the AMR carefully and do the, and do the coast road, Greymouth Westport. That is one of the most beautiful drives in the world. And, and it'd be, I, I be a nice it. test of your ability too. <laughs> I tell you, it's a magnificent drive. Um, I tell you, it's a great drive. It's Greymouth to Christchurch over Arthur's Park. Oh, beautiful oh, drive. Mate, you know, what, one of the great drives in the world. Well, I did that at midnight the, uh, earlier this year after a boxing event. <laughs> Big, biggest mistake I made, uh, particularly when, when I was in a, a smaller car and it was raining going over the pass. And you know how you go over that sort of that, that big gully where they've, they've they've built across it, that big sort of gorge, yep. and you're going, please don't look, over. please don't look, Stephen, please don't look. No, got there um, though, but it's, it, it's in the. It's an amazing part of the world, Steve, an amazing place to drive a car because you start on the east coast where it's dry and quite yep. barren usually and you end up on the wet, green west coast. It's like experiencing two countries oh. in the space of about two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, mate, but it's one of my favourite parts of the world. I spent 18 months in Greymouth at Radio Scenic Land years and years ago and I did that... Uh, the heart, the the parts that drive on many many times. Uh, we are blessed to live in this beautiful country. Mick, happy Christmas, my friend. Mate, same same to you too, Stephen. Tell me, what's what's the sporting event you're looking forward to the most in 2022? Because you're a man who likes a lot of different sports. What's the one thing you're looking forward to in 2022 the most? Uh, there is nothing that that I am going. Wow, I want to. Oh well, okay, okay. Well, I'm 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 first off the blocks already. I've got the Beijing Winter Olympics in February for a month. Then there's the Commonwealth Games. Then maybe the FIFA World Cup at the end of the year. Maybe the Warriors win. Maybe the Warriors win a championship. Hell, who knows? And uh, Supercars comes back to Pukekohe. So yeah, okay. Is that enough? Hey, mate, thanks for all the chances to drop in and out of, and obviously we'll be available to SENZ over the next week. People like myself, uh, Louie and I are on special Boxing Day show. This is Louie and what and I, the mail run. Eight o'clock on Boxing Day, special show. So usually it's Saturday, obviously not tomorrow. It's on Sunday to talk about the huge day coming up at Ellerslie. Racing returns to Ellerslie, Auckland's spiritual home of racing. First time in six months, Stephen, so yeah. it's a pretty big deal. That's so that- changing codes. We'll be up at, up at 8 o'clock on Boxing Day morning for those who feel like an information boost. Okay. The by the way, have you got a protective wrap on your car? Just by the way, you know, bumps, yes. scratches. Yes, you do, eh? A good yes, man. Happy <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. Happy Christmas, mate. There you go, Mick Karen. We both love our cars. He just has a flasher one than me. It's uh, 1.52 on Summer Days on SENZ.